Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. It's complex. Providing young people with the knowledge, the tools they need to stay safe on the road. Go down to your child's school and teachers have tattoos and piercings in the bank. Anywhere you go. Restaurants are not making vast profits. Pay our suppliers, staff, and we pay our bills. And there's very little left out of that. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.com. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Punch 96 FM. If you know of anybody who's coming home in the next uh, couple of days to Cork, particularly with Aer Lingus, but I guess with any other airline, and they're using an electric wheelchair, you might want to listen in. Ger has been in touch with us. He got caught out, or rather his daughter did get caught out to be fair, no one's fault, but she got cut out by a change in regulation at Heathrow Airport. And I'll uh, chat with Ger about that in a little while. It's just a follow-on. We had Mary with her wheelchair nightmare. Uh, she was sitting on her plane and was stopped from travelling earlier in the week. Last week, missed her weekend home for Christmas because of a problem with her wheelchair. And then we had Ina during the week whose husband had to go through a wedding to get to the bar to have a pint in the hotel they were staying in because there was no access and she just reckoned it wasn't good enough and then Jer got in touch with us about what happened to his daughter that's all to come we have another giveaway with O'Cruley's another 300 euro voucher with O'Cruley's and as we get closer to Christmas Lots more seasonal stuff to do between now and uh, and midday today. Two shows left to Christmas. And tomorrow we throw caution to the wind. And <laughs> you could be anything happen uh, tomorrow. But for now, what is going to happen with the weather? This is the 21st of December, the summer or the winter solstice. The solstice itself actually is tomorrow morning at 22 minutes past three. Tell you about that in a minute. But will we have a white Christmas? Will we have a wet Christmas? Will we have a windy Christmas? What kind of a Christmas will we have? And everyone's guessing, and everyone's speculating, and everyone's predicting, but usually only one man gets it right more often than he gets it wrong. Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. White Christmas, wet Christmas, windy Christmas. Good morning, sir. <laughs> Good morning. Thanks for that intro. Um yeah, well, it's going to be very windy up until Christmas. The good news is Christmas Day itself, the winds will ease off. Um, there is a risk of some showers, some rain, but generally not too bad. It'll be mild up until Christmas Eve, but it will turn that little bit cooler for Christmas Day. So it will feel a little bit more seasonal because it has been very mild. But um, generally not looking too bad, but no sign of a white Christmas. If you had the money on the white Christmas, I'm afraid you're not going to win that one. It has been unseasonably mild, Alan, in this part of the world. We've had 
pictures of daffodils sprouting, birds singing at five past three in the morning. Like it's the weather's gone crazy. It has. It's been very, very mild. And Ireland was actually one of the mildest parts of Europe yesterday morning. Um, warmer than most of Spain, Portugal even, which is a bit unusual. Um, so it has. It's been very mild and it's very, very windy out there today. Getting lots of messages, pictures of different bits of damaged trees down and, and some sheds blown over and different things. So it, it is very windy and it's going to stay very windy right through much of today and staying not as windy, but still staying very windy right up until Christmas Eve night, really. So there's going to be a lot of lot of wind. Um, I should add, I don't know if anybody in Cork has spotted these, but they, they call them the rainbow clouds or the murder of pearl clouds. Narcissus or polar stratospheric clouds Mm-hmm. have been spotted and believe it or not they've been spotted over Newgrange while they're waiting to see the sunrise there now these are very rare clouds to see in Ireland the last time I saw them was 2016 you have to get the polar stratosphere very cool over Ireland and these clouds are between 68,000 and 100,000 feet up in the air but when the sun is rising at the right time, you can rarely see them, but you can see them over Ireland. I'm after sharing some amazing images of them on my social media this morning. So if anybody in Cork has seen them, that's what you're looking at. It's not aliens. It's uh, <laughs> Narcissus clouds. Now, these are polar clouds. And, if, to yeah. of, and yet it's like it's shorts weather outside if you were pushing it. Well, that just tells you how different it is in the stratosphere above us. So the, the stratosphere, the, some of the polar vortex has kind of moved slightly down towards above us, but that's very high up. As I say, it's between 68,000 and 100,000 feet above us. But um, a rare event, but but a lot of people have captured this morning, so it's it's a, it's a magnificent sight. But but apart from that, it's the wind, really, PJ. That's what everyone's messaging me about. It's very, very windy out there. Yeah, anything that is... Um possible to blow away like inflatable Santas or lights that aren't properly tied down could be at risk over the next 24, 48 hours. Yeah, I think you'll see a few flying Santas a bit early um, and, <laughs> and a few reindeers maybe too following. But uh, I even had my own Santas. It's looking a little bit worse for wear. I wasn't sure whether he got at the sherry or whether the wind had blown him down this morning. I saw so that I, picture. <laughs> he's, he's lying down anyway. But yeah, no, it is. It's, it's very, very windy and also sort of risk of some coastal flooding um, as well, oh, no. but look, it's it, it's un, it's unseasonably mild. It's unseasonably windy, really, in terms of they wouldn't normally see the winds last this long. But it's actually been named Storm Paya by the Danish Met Service because Denmark is really getting the brunt of this. But right. we're kind of sandwiched between the Storm Paya that's over Denmark and then this high pressure to to our south west out in the Atlantic and this, that's what's squeezing the ice bars and making it that very windy weather. Isn't it, guess in the summer? The the Atlantic spoils our weather by bringing in the gunk, and in the winter time there's lovely, cool, fresh weather, and we can't get it in. Yeah, it's, it's very true. It's very true indeed. Can't win, can we, Alan? We can't win. Alan, we can't win. <laughs> no, no we Anybody getting married over the couple this weekend? It's a very popular weekend for getting married with Christmas landing on Monday. And anyone might be wondering what the weather would be like over Cork if they're getting married, say Saturday, Sunday. Saturday anyway. Yeah, as I say, very windy. Not as stormy as today, but still very windy. Some showers, but not washouts. And, and so there will be a lot of cloud. There won't be much sunshine. But no, it's not, not too wet. It's not a washout. 
And as you say, windy, but not as stormy. And the good news is, like, it is very choppy weather. So if you're getting a ferry, you probably want to skip the big breakfast or the big dinner. But um, apart from that, really, truly, there might be a few delays getting into the airports today. But generally, for people traveling home over the weekend for Christmas, it's not looking too bad. There's no significant kind of storms or floods or anything expected. Chris Rea will be able to drive like there'd be no problem with that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Alan, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show throughout the year, and I say that, and I mean it, and I say to, a chance to say to your face now, you're right an awful lot more than you're wrong, which is more than we can say for many of the professionals. Alan, thank you. Thanks very much. Take care. Have a good one. Cheers. Alan O'Reilly of uh, Carlo Weather. And always remember, as good as he is, that's his hobby. Um, best of the business. So, windy. A windy Christmas ahead. A windy Christmas ahead. Uh, a lot of wind today and a lot of wind tomorrow. It'll die down. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Um, rain, maybe a bit of flooding, as he calls it himself. I'm dreaming of a wet Christmas. 0818969696. Right, our friends with the Cruelly Butchers back with us today. A 300 euro voucher every day this week. Sort out the Christmas meat and produce. Uh, they've been doing this for 60 years. They know their business. A cork run business with a rich heritage. We have a chef every day doing a Christmas dish. Now, this is my old pal Paul Trevo doing this one he's given away what it is but I want you to tell me what it is anyway it's kind of given it away but sure I wanted to get him on when we were having chefs on we might as well have Paul on fresh cranberries a little bit of red wine a little bit of port cinnamon stick some honey an orange and a little bit of salt okay get your pan red hot guys straight in what we're looking for these is to burst we might throw a little bit more port or a little bit more red wine in but it's Christmas and these are Christmas flavours there you go. What's he cooking? It's as obvious as the nose in your face, but what is Chef Paul Trevo cooking today? Fresh cranberries, a little bit of red wine, a little bit of port, cinnamon stick, some honey, an orange, and a little bit of salt. Okay, get your pan red hot, guys. Straight in. What we're looking for these is to burst. We might throw a little bit more port or a little bit more red wine in, but it's Christmas, and these are Christmas flavors. All right, tell us what he's making and your name, 083-396-9696 for today's prize. Later, we will have ideas for canapes. Can things on biscuits and things in small, yeah, canapes from Colomon Gorman. I'm amazed that Colomon Gorman is doing cooking, and I have to talk to him about that. This is Colum, who is so active over the years with Amnesty International. You'll know his voice the minute he opens his mouth later on, but he's a great cook. I want to talk to him about that a bit later. Christmas ideas for canapes. You know, those little small things you get at the party. 0818969696. It has been a bad week for wheelchair users trying to travel into, out of, and around Ireland. And yet another story has come to us next. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. Merry Christmas! With your local maze. Great value deals for family and friends this Christmas. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. For fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes. Her pinks 
on Roosters. Corks 96 FM. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818-969696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 FM. So on Monday, we were talking, or Tuesday, well Tuesday, we were talking to Mary, who was due to have her annual trip home from England to visit all her friends and her mom for Christmas. That was due to happen last weekend. Mary got disappointed at the very, very last minute because they couldn't get her wheelchair on the plane. Then I was talking to Ina, and Ina brought her husband up to a hotel in the Midlands and found that in order to get into the bar to have a point, the poor man had to go through a function room where there was an actual wedding going on so that he could get his wheelchair into the function room. And then they expected him to go in and out of the hotel through the leisure centre. Not good enough, as Ina told me. Now, Neve Creener is from Cork, based in London. Uh, she has cerebral palsy and she uses a wheelchair, a fairly distinct wheelchair. It's an electric wheelchair and it's bright pink. Neve is back in Cork for Christmas, but her wheelchair isn't. Uh, Ger is a dad and he joins me. Ger, what happened? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me. So, what has happened with respect to Neve is on Monday we were um, we were flying out of Heathrow back home to Ireland for Christmas on Monday night and Neve, who has an electric wheelchair, was not allowed to bring her electric wheelchair with her. So now here she's back in Cork for two weeks of Christmas without any independent mobility because she needs now to be pushed around in a manual wheelchair rather than skipping around Mahan Point by herself and looking for whatever she wants, you know? Why couldn't she fly with the electric wheelchair? So what it is, is for the last 15 years, she's been flying with Aer Lingus with her electric wheelchair. And... There's always rules and regulations around electric batteries and safety and so forth, and Aer Lingus has theirs and other airlines have theirs as well. So when Neve wants to come home to Cork, what's the procedure? She books her flight, and then what happens? She books her flight, and she turns up at the airport. She has her wheelchair. She has all her documents with her with a view to, if ever asked, but never is with Aer Lingus, but we travel with Ryanair and EasyJet and others and start at different airlines will have different things. And they go along, they say, yeah, these are all the certs, the battery is safe, you can come on, and everything is smooth. And it's no problem in Cork Airport, it's no problem in Dublin Airport, but this time we had a problem in Heathrow. They've got a new... Uh, contract group doing check-in in Heathrow and they're fine don't get me wrong I'm not blaming anybody as regards this other than we rock up to the desk they say that's grand and we start to leave the wheelchair at the door of the plane and pick it up in Dublin and so forth and we've done Heathrow loads of times mm. but apparently about a couple of months ago Aer Lingus changed who's ever doing check-in for them in Heathrow now and basically Unless somebody tells Aer Lingus that we're that they're flying with an electric wheelchair seventy two hours beforehand, then they cannot fly. Now, I'm not against Aer Lingus changing their rules, 
but they haven't noted it on their website. We've never been told about it. So, so you went through yeah. the, the the same procedure as ever before. As ever. Then yeah. you get to the the airport. And we get to check in. This new rule then that you need to have told us seventy two hours ago. This was an electric wheelchair. You've no record of receiving that that rule ever. Nothing. Nothing. And she arrived at the airport and she wasn't left on the plane. And it was obviously a glitch in the system because we get to the plane and the flight crew are shocked. They know neither. It's a blind spot for Aer Lingus, which is why I'm raising it. Because Aer Lingus pride themselves in their service, and we love Aer Lingus, don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But a lack of service is also not putting in the systems or putting them together for those travelling with additional needs. Have you contacted yeah. Aer Lingus? Oh, I did. I contacted Aer Lingus, what do you call it, before I sent you in a note, before I sent other media in a note, because... The problem is, there's going to be lots of people, like you mentioned, Mary, coming home for Christmas, and if the rules have changed, and they haven't been told, and they're coming through Heathrow, then there could be disappointed people or stress at the airport or whatever the thing is. So, basically, their lingus, in the short term, I mean, I have two asks here, PJ. One is that Aer Lingus recognise that they've got a gap in the system. And for passengers travelling with additional needs this Christmas, there needs to be the flexibility around their gap that they've put in the system and they haven't told everyone. They really, this is not rocket science. Other airlines have cracked it with a two-minute email and it's not a big long form or anything like that. It's two or three bits of information as regards to put it in there. Put the system in place after Christmas and get with the time. And another okay. question is, sure. when this new rule was explained to you, Neve had with her the specs of her wheelchair, the yeah, specs of her battery. So my batteries are certified. There you go. Here they are. And they weren't having that. And, sealed, and they wouldn't have it because they were ticking a box for 72 hours. They were told to apply this rule. They were applying it. And when... Aer Lingus were contacted about it. They said, oh, can we get you the batteries back to Ireland? This, that, and the other thing. And said, lo and behold, the friends that said, uh, we gave them to in London, because I wasn't expecting to be able to get them back, they've headed off on holiday, so they're gone until Christmas oh, anyway. So, 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 so they're just not accessible. But the point is, Neve is covered, okay? The thing has happened. Said, uh, the world hasn't fallen apart. We've had... 15 years great service in Merlingus. But this is a big blind spot for them, for others coming home at this time of year. And they need to address it. Put in a temporary fix to make sure nobody else stopped and then a permanent fix so as to start to get with the times and be the same as their competitors if they need all of this information. It's a reasonable request. Gerard, I wish you well. I wish yourself and Neve and the family a good Christmas. At least you'll get plenty of exercise pushing her around, I suppose, if there's a bright note <laughs> of it. It's true, it's true. But, but, but I'll be seeing the prices of everything before she buys now. So she's not thrilled with that, you know. So there you go. So, PJ, happy Christmas and thanks for having me. And if you can get the news out there in terms of this, you'll help a couple of people have a better Christmas than right. they would have otherwise. Gerard, thank you. You're wonderful. Thanks. Take care, PJ.
You're welcome. Um, yeah, there's the thing. Now, look, it's it's getting close to time. If you are coming home through Heathrow with Erlingus and you are uh, using a battery-operated wheelchair and you haven't been told to let them know early, it might be a good idea to let them know early that you'll be bringing through uh, electric wheelchair or wheelchair batteries. In Neve's case, she just had to leave the batteries after her. She could bring the wheelchair home. Just the bat, just not the batteries. Uh, but that's a change in the rules that that Jar says they weren't told about, um, which is unfortunate. But it's just it's a that's a third incident in a week involving wheelchairs and where they can go and where they can't go, and rules and regulations and provisions. And it's 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 something I I think in twenty twenty four we might resolve to talk about a little bit more. Again, I'm reminded of the the words of my friend, Carol, who said, you know, she doesn't use a chair that often, but, if ever, she said, you, PJ, can live far more easily in a world designed for me than I can live in a world designed for you. And I thought that was one of the wisest things I ever heard about people with mobility Issues. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Something I want you to think about. You know the the last minute jobs, right? This is the twenty first of December. The last minute jobs that they are listed in your head. Some people write them down. Okay, some people write them down and cross off a list. What's the one job that you'll forget? So the one thing that you'll be there at five o'clock on Christmas Eve. And you'll be after sitting down with everything done, or maybe even six o'clock Christmas Eve, and you'll have the maybe a hot toddy and a mince pie or a bit of dinner, and you'll be going, Phew. Oh God! What's the oh God job that you forget to do? What's the best story you've ever had? I've no prizes for this. But what's the best last minute? Oh my God! That you can remember. I remember being here one Christmas, the 23rd, was it? Might even been Christmas Eve. And there was a storm. And the glass ceiling down over what was Brown Thomas and then Roach's doors before it, the glass ceiling broke in the storm. There was nobody hurt, thankfully. But of course it delayed me getting out of the newsroom. So it was four, quarter past four, it was Christmas Eve, actually. And the following day, of course, we were going to my mother-in-law, God rest her, for our Christmas dinner. And I realised I have nothing for her. So I drove out to Wilton, and I'm running around Wilton at 20 past four on Christmas Eve. I think she got a cactus. I think she got either a cactus or a rubber plant or something um, for her Christmas, because I had nothing got. You couldn't go with your hands hanging to you and the woman's feeding you. So what's the... Just just some stories for today and tomorrow. The, the stuff that you forget and your best stories if you have them. 0818 96 96 96. We've all forgotten something or someone, you know. We have. Don't tell lies. We have lots of greetings as well tomorrow on the show. Some people have sent in greetings from overseas. Some well-known people have sent in greetings to us. And I have had more emails overnight about people who will be working on Christmas Day. We're doing the best we can to compile the comprehensive list of who will be working 
on Christmas Day. There's the obvious, which we will list out, but then there's the less than obvious. And I want you to tell me if I mightn't think of you if you are working or you know somebody will be working on Christmas Day. Your last chance to do it. And they're coming in at night, which I've noticed more than anything else. PJ at 96FM.ie. If you're working or know someone belong to you who's working on Christmas Day. Can't guarantee to call anybody's actual name out, although I have a few requests to do it, and I'll get to them. We've had quite a few emails from stuff that I people I wouldn't have realised were working on, on Christmas Day. So PJ at 96FM.ie. We'll get through as many as we can of them. Tomorrow between 9 and 12. 0818969696. Listen to Cork's 96 FM while you work. While you work. Click listen live at 96fm.ie. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 no, I wouldn't put my name to it either. Someone has put a message in to say, um, I forgot a turkey. <laughs> you didn't! I forgot a turkey. So you have everything done, everything wrapped, already making the stuffing, getting the veg ready, and then I'll just take out the... Ha! No turkey. Oh, God. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six or oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. What did you forget at the very last minute? Just for the laugh of it, like yesterday morning, the Echo had a great story. Uh, they had uh, taken the numbers of the gar- new guards sworn in uh, last week. Donald O'Keefe had the story on yesterday's Echo. There was one hundred and fifty one new guard the probationers or baby guards came out at Temple Moor last week and Cork got <clears throat> one I kid you not 115 of them went to Dublin 20 to the east 8 to the southern region and 8 to the northwest. and of course the southern region takes in Cork Kerry Tipperary Clare and Limerick so we in Cork got one new Guard. Uh, Garda, Detective Garda Podrick Harrington is on the executive of the Garda Representative Association uh, based here in Cork. Not good enough, Podrick. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. No, not good enough. And realistically, that one guard is only a quarter of a guard because out of every 48 hours, that guard will only be on for 12 and is only available to one station. And the problem we've had and the uh, I've raised this with various assistant commissioners for the Southern Region and for chief superintendents in charge of Cork City. The problem we have in Cork is that we have a lot of regional units and our human resources department in Dublin are counting those as being an available resource to Cork City when in fact they're not. So an example would be the armed support unit could be based in Cork City, but they could be deployed to West Cork or Kerry or Limerick at any time. All of those are counted as available resources to Cork City and in fact, they're not. So currently, today, as we stand, of Garda rank who do the work on the ground, there's 570 guards available in Cork City. Um, and as I say, some of that are regional units that are not available. We are short, and I've always said this figure, for short 120 guards in Cork, you know, in any 12-hour period. 
This sounds to me very much as you describe it, like an accounting exercise. As in, headquarters says, right, guards, Cork has X number of guards. But you're saying, yeah, that's X minus whoever's in Kerry with that unit, minus whoever's in Limerick with that unit, leaves you Y. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I, I suppose the difficulty we have is that they, they want more from less. Like this year alone, PJ, we, uh, we lost 29 guards and we got back 21 guards through, you know, we lost them through retirements and promotions or hmm. resignations, etc. And then through transfers in and stuff like that, we got back 21. So compared to this time last year, we're down eight guards. Compared to this time two years ago, we had about 600 guards, we're down about 30 guards. Um, and the figure seems to be dropping each year, and you're you're now looking to you know the yellow jackets on the streets as as they call them. You're looking for them to do a lot lot more, um, with way less. You know they're they're stretched beyond belief. And you know I raised it earlier this year with the chief superintendent saying you're, you're just going to have to bring them in on overtime to complete the file because they don't when they come in for their normal duties they are not getting the time to to carry out the investigations that happened yesterday and last week. An investigation that would have taken me maybe two to three months um, to complete is now taking me six to nine months to complete. And that's a service, that's a poorer service to the, the general public in Cork. You mentioned uh, talking to Chief Supers, and maybe I'm a bit naive, but I would have said the Chief Super... Um, was once a guard, him or herself, and knows what it's like to pound the street with a notebook, they should recognise those situations, do they? To be fair to local guard management, you know, Assistant Commissioner, uh, Foster, Chief Superintendent, uh, you know, and even the superintendents, they do recognise it. But unfortunately, their calls for extra resources, you know, down in Cork City, and we'll say Assistant Commissioner Foster's calls for resources down in the southern regions, are not being listened to in Dublin. And, you know, once you leave Dublin, every other division, like, we're not alone in this, you know. The Mayos are looking for extra resources. You know, the Galways, all of these places are looking for extra resources. But we all seem to be treated as second-class citizens when, once you leave the pale, uh, you know, the DMR. Um, And it needs to be recognised that, you know, policing is a nationwide issue. It's not just a Dublin issue. Podrick, nobody ever wants to even think about what happened in Dublin last month happening in Cork. Nobody wants to see that. But what you're telling me frightens me a little bit. We don't have the resources to cope with that in a million years. Look, hopefully we'll never, we'll never see it in Cork City, but I'd be very uh, you know fearful of what would happen if... if the sort of numbers that congregated in, in O'Connell Street in Dublin, congregated in, in Patrick Street in Cork. Um, you know, I certainly know that the lads would drop everything and come in and stuff like that, but do we have sufficient resources to, to handle something like that? No is the answer, and we certainly would be dependent on our colleagues in Tipperary and Limerick and Waterford and Kerry, you know, West Cork to North Cork to come in and help us. It's an unfortunate situation in which the second city finds itself... We've talked, I think you and I previously, about the roster changes within the guards. And God rest my father, he knew on a Christmas week when he was working the following June. And he could tell you he was working 6 to 2, 2 to 10, whatever. Rosters these days are an awful lot different. And there's an ongoing row. Is that anywhere near to be settled? 
Well, it's still under negotiation, and we're hoping that those negotiations will, will uh, finish early in the new year. Commissioner implemented this interim roster, and I'd hope to see it continue because it seems to be working for the guards on the ground, and hopefully it's, it's working for the victims of crime as well. But look, there's no roster will work properly unless you resource it properly. Yeah, it comes back to that. It comes back to that, doesn't it? You, if, if you've, you can have the best roster known to man, but if you don't have the guards to staff that roster, you're always going to be in trouble. On a lighter note, Padraig, uh, they tell me here that you are working Christmas Day yourself. Well, I'm not the only guard in the country that's working Christmas Day, and uh, I am working Christmas Day, but um, it's, it's just, it, that's the roster, PJ. And mm. if, if your roster to work, you work it, and... Um, you just get on with it. When, when I went to the Temple Mall, I knew that there'd be certain Christmases that I'd have to work, and it's, it's just, that's life, unfortunately. How often would you have to do a Christmas day? You see, again, with rostering in the air, like, I mean, if, if, if our roster was set down, I'd be able to tell you what I'm working between, between here and retirement. But because of the uncertainty of the rosters, um, you know, but like, I would have worked six or seven in a row one time, and then you'd have you know, two or three off and, and stuff like that. So it was off last Christmas. I'm on this Christmas and it's just the, it's the luck of the draw and we get on with it. And what's your Christmas day like? Is it a bit of turkey and ham out of Centra or what is it? Luckily enough, I, I'm living close um, to my workplace and uh, hopefully if it's if it's quiet on Christmas day, I'll be able to pop home and have the dinner with uh, my wife and daughter and mother-in-law and mother and stuff like that. So if it's busy, you get a sandwich from Centra. Yeah, you'd be hoping that the, the phone won't ring, but it probably will. Look, you're always hoping that Christmas Day will be quiet, but um, look, every day that you go to, to walk into a Garda station is different. And, you know, um, you're just kind of hoping at the, the festive period that it will be quiet um, and, uh, you know, everybody will go home safe and, you know, you're not you're not investigating a murder or something like that on Christmas Day. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Padraig, thank you for your contributions to the show uh, throughout the course of the year. Have a good Christmas and, and give our regards to every one of your colleagues. I will indeed, uh, PJ, and to you and your listeners, the same thing. Padraig, thank you very much. That's uh, Detective Gada Padraig Harrington, GRA executive member in Cork. And indeed, just to extend beyond that to all the guards who, and occasionally you'd be surprised at the number of guards who contact us throughout the year with little bits of information and unfortunately because of the nature of their work conditions they can't go on the air and we can't credit them as sources but uh, we would have a number of guards uh, particularly Fergal who has contacts like you've never you've never met anybody like our Fergal Barry he doesn't have a contacts book he has a contacts book shelf um particularly the guards who help us out investigating stuff uh, throughout the course of the year for the programme. Thank you all and have a great Christmas and stay safe, you and your families. Kate says, I think there's no excuse for not having a major recruitment drive for the guards. There's still a lot of people dying to be a guard. It's just a matter of putting the recruiting package right. Did you hear the commissioner saying if he knew the hotel in Galway was due to be a hostel, he'd have had more guards up there? Hello? Is he serious? We all know he wouldn't have enough men to put up there. It's max of once Dublin is looked after, the problem is solved. Well, there's something, Kate, that Paddy Harrington gave us, and we were chatting about this earlier on. Um, it's like an accounting exercise. So, in Dublin is where the human resources is done. In Dublin is where the allocations are made. And Dublin looks at Cork as having X number of guards. 
But some of them are tied up in this unit, that unit, and the other unit. But Dublin doesn't separate them out. So Dublin says you've 550 guards, even though 100 of them are tied up in units and never available on the street. That's what Podrick's been saying. We get one, one guard. We lost this year. We lost some guards this year. Another one that will come back to us in 2024, I know. The HSE has been warning, and we saw stuff about this weeks back, about very dangerous uh, synthetic opioid drugs that are on the streets at the moment. Um, and they, they're they very dangerous. Uh, toxic, in fact. And they've been overdoses, and I believe a number of people have died. Um, and it's out there. Uh, it goes under number of names. Um, Bernard O'Hare, drugs activist and uh, homeless activist, um, and great friend of the show, of course. Bernard, good morning to you. You have been watching this situation because it's affecting some people you know. Morning to you. Yeah, that's that's correct. There's been an awful lot of overdoses in Dublin and Cork, way above what the average is normally. Um, we're keeping an eye on it because of the yeah, I would know quite a lot of the addicts that that are out there, you know. Um, now, obviously, not everyone on the street is on the, on the drugs. Just want to make that clear because some people, you know, you get upset over the saying that, but uh, it's important to keep an eye on these things because um, it, it's just getting more and more potent. Now, these are, these are first, nitrazines, Bernard. Nitrazines, yes, yeah, so a powerful synthetic opiate. It was first um, synthesized or created by about uh, in around the fifties or the sixties. Uh, they were looking for an alternative to morphine, but because of its high potential for overdoses and killing people, it was never brought to the medical market. But unfortunately, in the last number of years, and especially in America, what it's done in America is just, it's its absolutely horrifying. And now it's made its way to England and then to, to Ireland. And this is different again to another one we've heard much about lately, fentanyl. Fentanyl, it is. It's actually a lot more powerful than fentanyl. It's, I think they say sometimes up to 40 to 50 times more powerful, which is, is absolutely crazy when you think about it. Because we yeah, all because fentanyl is how, what? Fentanyl is like 10 or 20 times more powerful than heroin. That's right, yeah. And now this thing is, is even more uh, powerful than that again. Uh, again, I know I just want to reference Mark just to show you uh, or just to explain how powerful it is like and what's what's going on over there now. It's absolutely um, destroying cities over there, you know, and it's a good it's a good way of starting to know just how dangerous the drug is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at what what's happened now in Dublin there a couple of weeks back where it was like it was 54, 56 overdoses within 36 hours where the national or where the average is actually four to five a day. So that'll tell you how. And then this, they went and they moved that stuff out of Dublin because it appeared in Cork. Um, and now the HSE, HSE were giving great warnings in regards to how dangerous it is and lethal it is because I think it was like 18 and 36 hours. Yeah. One of the things that seems to be particularly dangerous about it, and I mentioned fentanyl, Bernard, but when you do a little bit of reading, yeah. fentanyl works uh, very dangerous, but this is even more dangerous, not just because it's more powerful, but because it takes longer, I think, for the effects to appear. So you could be gone home, you could be on your own, you've begun to sleep, and it kicks yeah, well, in. Yeah, well, actually, no, within, uh, um, within the, um, some of the guys that are on the street and stuff like that, that are known users, there's actually a WhatsApp group going around because they were made aware of how powerful it is. 
So um, it's just kind of like, you know, letting each other know that if Mr. A has bad stuff, then don't go near him, you know, which is a, like, obviously you don't want people using it in the first place, but it's kind of, I'm glad to hear that too, that they are doing that because it's, you know, just to show you how lethal it is. Yeah, it's it's a it's a culture, Bernard, and it's something that many of us will never yeah. come in contact with. And um, but 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 the addicts that are out there, and the, you know, look, they're they're, they're people that they, they need help more than that else. But but they also oh, need absolutely. they also need a fix to get through the day. And you say they have WhatsApp yeah. groups now, so they're what warning each other to be careful. Warning each other, yeah, just to be careful of any particular people or groupings that may have um, contaminated stuff. Again, that is a good thing because, um, you know, the, whenever I hear that stuff, it's just the first thing you think of is the guys and the girls that are unfortunately mixed up within the addic- you know, addiction. And it, you see, it's not just the heroin um, that it can come in. Um, you, you know, do you have drugs like um, Oxycontin, you have uh, benzodiazepines. Mm. You see the one that uh, I can never pronounce it right, so forgive me if I'm saying it wrong. Case of salt. If you look around any of the streets in any part of Cork, any of the city, you'll see these, you know, these trays of tablets just thrown all around the place. You could find them in that. And it basically they're doing it just to bulk up profits, yeah. you know, from where it comes from because it's so easy or easy. It's so cheap to produce as well. Yeah. So people who would be known as being heroin dealers, um, unscrupulous, is there such a thing as a scrupulous dealer, but an unscrupulous heroin dealer oh, yeah. could be putting this stuff in to bulk up the bag or bulk up the... And, and you could unknowingly take your usual amount and you're in serious trouble. Oh, your kid's stoned out and that's the only, that's the only, the only way to put it. Let, uh, let's let's kid, pause for a second, Bernard. Pause for a second yeah. because one thing you've told me as well over the years is the people that are using in our city and on our streets, they know how to use. They're well-versed yeah. in what to do and how to mind themselves. Your, je- your regular yeah. hit... That your addict is waking up this morning, your regular hit, your regular fix to get you through the day is enough to kick it, kill yeah. you stone dead if this is in it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. My you God. don't even need tra- even trace amounts of the stuff in it, and that's why the HSC are giving out the warnings that they're giving out now at the moment. Like one of them is to obviously they don't want you using the PG, you know, because of course, saying, but we're but adult, we're adults, Bernard. We accept people are. Yeah, you know that's unfortunately, and that's the that's the. I wouldn't want, you know, especially with the amount of the lads and the girls, and lads especially that have gone in the last few years, and no for years, and you know you don't want anyone doing it. But they say the recommendations is to not use alone, and that to only start off slow because this stuff is so potent that if they've done it the way they normally do it, with say normal gear, if if there is such a thing, you know what I mean. I do because. Start off slow because then just to kind of gauge it and let people know who you're around or who you're with so you're not alone. Because unfortunately, that's what happens. Okay. Obviously, with the overdoses, it could be in the squat, it could be on the street somewhere. And mm-hmm. you don't want you don't want them dying anyways, but it's even worse when they're alone, you know. Yeah. It's great, and it's great to hear that they are looking after one another. And here's hoping that over the Christmas, oh, this, yeah. this and then doesn't. There was, just want to say quickly as well, I know that now there's an ongoing court case, so you can't say too much. But there was a fellow caught last week and he no did admit to getting your... Yeah, oh, no, 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 God, yeah. And uh, he willingly sold this stuff knowing what was... It was poisonous. So they took it out of Dublin because there was too much attention on dealers up there. So they ship it to Cork or God knows where else, but obviously it was primarily Cork. And now look what happens. So I kind of know have no sympathy whatsoever for the fellas that knowingly do it because sometimes... 
whether people like it or not, you could get stuff and it was just like, you don't know what's in it. But these fellas know and all they care about is money and greed because otherwise they would have flushed that down the toilet. Do you know what? Bernard, look after yourself, my friend, and have a good Christmas. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can I recommend it was Fer- and it was Fergal brought this to my attention a number of years ago. There is a wonderful website called talktofrank.com. Talktofrank.com. You want to know anything about street drugs? Anything I mean. About any street drug. Talktofrank.com. As a layperson who's not connected to these things. Brilliant. Brilliant website, worth a look at. I looked this morning to what it says about synthetic opioids, which is what these things are. Frighten the life out of you. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. With your local maze, amazing value, sure to make you smile this Christmas. Listen to Cork's 96FM on your smart speaker. Simply say, play Cork's 96FM. Quirks 96FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Quirks 96FM. Yeah, Kevin was in. So Cork got one new guard. Yes, Kev, one new guard. How many retired or resigned? I was just listening back, listening to Podrick there, making some notes while he was talking to me. In the last year alone, we're net down eight. We're net down eight. And over the last two or three years, we're net down 30 because of retirements and resignations and people moving on and all of that. So, so well spotted. <laughs> the things we forgot, are they starting to come in? <laughs> Sinead, we still laugh about it. Uh, when I was younger, my mom forgot to take the giblets out of the turkey. They were there in their little bag when they went to carve it. We never la- Actually, there's the thing. Why did they leave the giblets in the flipping turkey? Everyone just throws them out anyway. Although, do you know what you can do is you can cook them and give them to the dog and the dog will love them. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. If you have any disasters like that, yeah, just that uh, website again, which I gave you very quickly before ten. I came across it a couple of years ago. It was our Fergal pointed me in the direction. We had a lot of stuff going on drugs wise around town. It's called talktofrank.com. It's British, as far as I know, and it is literally anything you need to know about drugs, legal and or illegal, synthetic and or regular type drugs the effects the dangers you can a parent can check it a user can check it a friend can check it and it's really well written and really simple it's got all the important details I just went in to have a look at it on synthetic opioids and there it is nitrazines right in the middle of the page often found added to heroin which is what Bernard was saying Um, and those using them are more vulnerable to overdose but there's what Bernard was saying. At the moment, this nitrazine is around town. And the regular hit, the regular fix that a, a, a person might be looking for of a morning, the regular fix will kill you stone dead. That's frightening. Absolutely frightening. 0818 96 96 96. 
When I last spoke to Colin Mongorman, as I did many times over the years, it was to do with his work uh, with Amnesty International, of whom, Colm, you were the voice of them in Ireland for many years. That chapter of your life is closed now, but I never knew how into cooking you were until I started reading your stuff in The Examiner. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Good, good. Um, I never knew you were uh, such a keen cook. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know about cool, but I'll take it. No, I've been cooking since I was about seven or eight years of age. I, I grew up in a, in a, in a household. My mum was a fantastic cook and was really passionate about food. And actually, I never knew her mother because she died just after my parents married. But I had contact from a former neighbour of hers who's been based in Canada for decades, who's been regaling me with stories about what a great cook my grandmother was. So there's there's something there that's been passed down in the generations, a real passion and an interest in, in food, in, in fresh food, in in, uh, in in just using good, fresh ingredients to produce quick, easy, tasty meals. So I've been yeah cooking since I was seven or eight and love it. And The Examiner is just a joy of a creative outlet for me, Come up, mm-hmm. coming up with something each week and, and, and writing it and photographing it and getting it uh, ready for the paper is just a, a lovely creative outlet. Is, is there uh, a book in the making? Um, do you know, I've been asked that so many times. Um, if if I could find both the time to pull it together, I certainly have the recipes at this stage and a publisher um, and the time to find a publisher, then I'd love to do something like that. But sure, who knows? Maybe over the next couple of years. Who knows? Who knows? Very, very quickly, by the way, PJ, on, on the giblets question, turkey yeah. giblets are fantastic for making a stock for as a base for your gravy for your turkey. All you need to do is just... Cut half an onion in slice, uh, in, in, in half, peel it, cut it in half, maybe a carrot, a few stalks of parsley and a celery stalk and a bay leaf and some peppercorns. Put it in water, simmer it for an hour and a half or so and you'll have a fantastic stock that's the, the base for your gravy. And then, as you said, the dogs will will uh, will will love the flesh off the giblets. Just don't give them the, the bones, bones from the they neck. Shatter. Yeah. Bones are, yeah, they'll shatter for them, yeah. Yeah, I often used to wonder why they left them in. It's because you can do so that's much why, with them. Yeah. Yeah, they make a great stock. I mean, people very often people don't make stocks anymore because they're so easy to, to, to buy now. You know, you can buy pre-prepared stocks or buy concentrated stocks in the shops and they're grand. Yeah. But um, make, make them at home is also very easy. Yeah, the gra- you get good gravy. It's it's the making of a turkey. And it, 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 it really is. Absolutely. You have a recipe in there today, Colm, for cranberry and brie tartlets. Now, <laughs> they're, they look fabulous. Yeah, and they're they're actually fairly simple. There's actually a two-on-one recipe there. I cheated and managed to get two into the same piece. The first recipe that you need to make the tartlets is the cranberry sauce, and I always make homemade cranberry sauce. I think it's much, much nicer than the shop pot. The shop pot can be very sweet and, and jammy and just a little bit over-processed, I think, whereas making homemade cranberry sauce is dead simple. Like, it takes 10 or 15 minutes. You just need cranberries, some, some, some um, uh, shallots, a little bit of chili I put in for a little bit of heat, brown sugar, um, orange juice and orange, orange zest. And if you want to jazz it up a little bit, a little bit of Cointreau is always good. You cook that down until you've got a lovely cranberry sauce. And then that's your cranberry sauce made for your Christmas lunch as well. Yeah. And yeah. then to make the tartlets, just use some, you can use some uh, shop-bought puff pastry because let's be frank, who has the time, any time, never mind at this time of year, to be making puff pastry from scratch? <laughs> you just roll that up into a into a tight roll, cut little discs out of it, roll them out and then press them into some little pastry trays or mini muffin trays or what I use. Mm. Pop a little bit of the cranberry sauce in the bottom, a cube of brie on top, bake it in the oven for about 20 minutes until they're nice and golden and, and crisp and brown. And then you have these 
really easy to make and fantastic to feed a crowd the kind of thing that if you're having a bit of a party over Christmas you can you can make these up and have them in their trays hours in advance and then when people arrive when you're ready to serve them up you just pop them in the oven for, for 20 minutes melt the cheese. finish them with a little bit of extra cranberry sauce and you're done and they look as you said they look amazing they look terrible fancy but actually they're, could, they're very simple oh, I, can, I, can, I can taste them when you just talk you just talk they're, you know I've talked to actual chefs over the years, Colm, many, many times, and they all, they all come, come back with the same thing. Do you know what? Anybody can do this. And I say, yeah, they can, of course. But can we? Can we all learn the stuff like you learned from your, from your mom and she learned from, from your nana? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I had the, the, the joy of doing, of all things, Celebrity MasterChef back in 2016, and I was cooking on a show that had two a two Michelin star chef on it who was one of the judges, and another fantastic Irish chef, Robin Gill, was there as well. And I learned an awful lot from them, principally about not being intimidated by recipes or by food, and also not getting too caught up in the drama of it all. One of the problems, I think, with, with modern food broadcasting and how food is presented very often, including by food writers, is that it's made to seem very complicated. We want everybody to think we're terribly clever and that this is science. And actually what it's about is is combining ingredients together, treating them in a particular way using heat or something else, and then just creating a, a really tasty plate of food. And once you understand what, what what the method you're using to cook is, it all becomes an awful lot easier. So try new things. Yeah. I try to create recipes in the examiner and you'll find all of them are links to all of them on my Instagram page. I try to create recipes for the examiner that maybe introduce people to, to some new ingredients or some new kinds of cuisines. Like I've done a lot of Korean food, which I adore, but I try to do it using, using ingredients that are fairly easily um, available locally. Yeah. And Cork has some fantastic Asian supermarkets. So all of these ingredients will be available there. The thing is, to get people to test them. And I write recipes that are easy and simple to follow. And I'm delighted to say that the feedback I get from people is that they're, 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 they're fairly foolproof. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the Asian shops, and we do have some fabulous Asian shops. In Cor- have you noticed at all, Colm, in the Irish taste, that since the Asian shops started to open, I know there's a huge one in, in Dublin down there by the, by the Jervis Street Centre, that we become more adventurous with spice and, and with putting stuff in to jizz up our recipes anyway. Like, I think we've, we've, we've st- we started to be much more adventurous food probably 25 or 30 years ago, but it's really taken off over the last decade. And as you say, like, I, I live in North Wexford in Gorey. There's a supermarket in our town that now stocks an awful lot of Asian ingredients and, and Asian spices. The great thing, by the way, about Asian supermarkets is they're great value. Yeah. You'll be able to get what might be otherwise seem like very specialist ingredients for a fraction of the price that you'll see them in the big supermarkets and they're really good quality very often. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we're getting, a, we're getting a lot more adventurous. But you see that now in the kind of restaurants that are that are um, in, in, a, in, in all of our towns and, and villages now as well. There's a real world cuisines, as they like to call it, have really emerged in Ireland and we're seeing some interesting fusions or, or, or plays on all of that. Like look at the, the spice bag, a completely... Irish invention <laughs> from Chinese restaurants here and people go mad for it from around the world when they hear about it and, and get to tie it. I remember seeing Adele bemoaning the fact that she couldn't get one. Oh no, it wasn't. It was Lizzo bemoaning the fact that she hadn't been able to get one delivered to her when she was uh, playing a show in, in Belfast. <laughs> I know, I've I a heard recipe that for that as well, by the way. That's also up on the Instagram You page. have a recipe for a spice bag? Great, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Space go on, are, go are, on, are, throw it at me, seeing as it's Christmas. We might make well, spice it's bags. Bit, it's a bit complicated. When I say complicated, the spice blend is the thing you need to make, and there's there's several ingredients there that you just need to pull together, but they're very easy. It's you basically find it on your Instagram. white pepper, Chinese five spice, a couple of different um, seasonings that you put into it, and then you make up your spice mix. And beyond that, then it's cooking chicken wings in your air fryer, which is fabulous for cooking chicken wings, making some chips, frying off some nice vegetables maybe. Uh, you can you can put it together really easily. <laughs> By the way, the previous week for party food, I did spice bag chicken wings. So you'll find that on the Examiner Ooh. column, it's on, in the Examiner, and you'll find all the links for that on my Instagram page as well. And they're lovely. They're they're beautiful. Again, really. Chicken wings are fantastic party food. Mm. Um, they're, they're dead easy to make. And the air fryer has been the other big thing that's taken off, I think, in the last couple of years. And if you haven't tried making chicken wings in an air fryer. Really? You need some. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You're guaranteed crispy, golden, delicious wings, and you're not frying them. You're not having to deep fry them, which is the way that they were often cooked before. The secret there is that you toss them, dry them well first with a little bit of kitchen paper or a clean clean jade cloth or a clean kitchen towel. And then you just toss them in some baking soda and some corn flour or some other kind of starch like potato flour. And then you cook them in your air fryer for about 15 to 16 minutes, turn up the heat a bit more, then toss them and, and, and crisp them off. And they'll come out. The, 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 the baking powder reacts with the fat in the skin in the chicken wings and really puffs it up and crisps it up. And they're phenomenal and really, really easy to do. You, you have me tempted here because I, I, I'm I kind of to. late to the air fryer party because um, I have this thing that it'll all come out sort of dry as a bone. No, no. Honestly, an air fryer is a fabulous thing. I, I got it when I started during the lockdown when I got excited about Korean food and I made Korean fried chicken for the first time. I went, I love Korean fried chicken. I can't be eating deep fried food all the time or, be, you know, that won't be so great for my health. So I'll get an air fryer. And I was completely wrong. Air fryers are useless for cooking anything with the batter. If you, if you have anything wet, you can't cook it in an air fryer. But they're phenomenal for for cooking things like chicken wings or even chips like I make homemade oven chips now all the time in the air fryer. Dead simple, really tasty and really quick. But they also will do everything from from bake to roast to reheat. Like they're they're it's a phenomenal tool. They're effectively just a small, very powerful convection oven. Um um and and they can mimic frying by circulating tiny droplets of oil that you put in with your food at high temperature and at speed. That's why you get that frying uh, yeah. um, um, reaction to it. But actually, they're brilliant for cooking anything. Our daughter's out in Australia at the moment, and she's living in a little apartment where they don't have a, a proper oven in it, and she's got an air fryer, and she's been sending me pictures of the cakes and soda breads and everything else that she's baking in them. They're, I, I see on TikTok people are putting the Christmas ham into them. You, you, if you had a small enough a ham, I suppose you could do that. I mean, I regularly roast a chicken in the air fryer because it's quicker. It's quicker and more economical than turning on and preheating your oven. And it, it does a fantastic job. You'll get a and really would the meat not juice. be very dry, Colum, when it comes out? No, not at all. Quite the opposite. Um, and because you cook it at the right temperature, you're cooking it at 180 degrees or whatever you do it in the oven. But because the heat is quite is quite focused because of the, the, the power of the, the, the fans in the air fryer as well, it cooks it more quickly, but really, really juicy. Really well, juicy. Well, it doesn't dry up Well, here's the thing. Have you got, if it's not too long a recipe, have you got something quick? Because I know there's thousands of air fryer users in Cork listening to us. Something quick for the Christmas table that you can pop in the air fryer. Nice and easy. 
well, do you roast potatoes in the air fryer? Oh. I mean, if you want to make fabulous roast potatoes, yeah. I mean, the biggest problem I always find with, with Christmas uh, um, lunches, you're trying to cook an awful lot of things that need the oven, and yet your turkey's going to be in the oven, and your ham might be going back in the oven to flash it off. Yes, you want your turkey to rest, but trying to then get in the the roast potatoes or the parsnips or the, the carrots that you're going to roast, that's really tough. The air fryer is brilliant for roasting. So, for example, if you want to do some some lovely orange and honey-flavoured carrots, um, power-cook your carrots just a little bit. Don't overcook them now at all, like 10 minutes in some in some simmering water, boiling water. Then drain them out of that, toss them in a tiny bit of olive oil, some orange juice and orange zest and some honey, and put them in the air fryer at about 180 degrees, I'd say for no more than 10 or 12 minutes. Keep an eye on them. You want them to start to get, you know, a little bit crisp and yeah, nice. But there needs to be a bite in them, like. You want, yeah, you want to see a little bit of bite, but you also want to see that honey and that orange kind of caramelizing Ooh. rather than burning on them. And then maybe just finish them with some fresh thyme leaves for the last minute or two that they're in the oven and serve them up and they'll be fantastic. Mm. You could do the same with, paris, with parsnips. Parsnips as well take fantastically to to flavours like orange and honey and, and some fresh herbs, like a little bit of sage or a little bit of thyme. And if you're doing your, your, your roasties, if you're short of space in the, in, the, uh, in the oven, parboil them, toss them in some, um, some melt a little butter until it foams, then maybe a little bit of olive oil. If you want to add a nice little bit of colour uh, to the potatoes, you could put a sprinkle of turmeric into that as well. And then toss the potatoes in that, pop them in your air fryer, Bang up, bang up the, the heat to about 190 to 200 degrees and cook them until they're crisp and golden and fluffy and you'll get perfect roast potatoes out of the air fryer. I can hear it. <laughs> I can hear And I love the idea of throwing in some turmeric. Oh, yeah. I mean, turmeric just gives it a... It, I, I lo- Lots of people think turmeric doesn't have a flavour. It actually has a lovely, subtle, earthy flavour. Yes, it does. But the other thing that it does to, to roast potatoes is it gives them a lovely golden colour so they look gorgeous when they've Fantastic. had that little bit of flash of colour. Don't go mad with it. Like, you know, maybe an eighth of a teaspoon in with the butter and a little bit of oil and then and then toss them in that and season it and, and put them mm. into the air fryer. You can also do that if you're roasting in the oven, of course. Cranberry and brie, I think, is on the is on the shopping menu for, for, for Saturday night for, for me anyway. Colm, it's been a pleasure and we look forward to the book. Thanks, PJ. Lovely to, lovely to talk to you and, and talk to you again, hopefully. And you. Cheers. That's Colm O'Gorman. Um, columnist, food columnist with the Irish Examiner. Uh, <laughs> I can take a talk to him all day. Air fryers, there's loads of people doing their Christmas stuff in an air fryer. I, I haven't yet gotten such a thing. Uh, my daughter loves air fryers. She had one uh, up to recently. Um, loves them. So she does. 0818 Speaking of cooking, I'll get this done before I forget. Uh, O'Cruley's are with us all this week and once again 60 years in business they are and they have a 300 euro voucher for us every day this week in the run up to Christmas from O'Cruley Butcher so there you sort out all your meat and produce for the Christmas dinner and beyond Today it's my old pal, uh, Paul Trevo, is cooking up something, something very Christmassy uh, if you want a hint, although you probably won't um Colum referred to it as well while we were chatting a while ago. Colum prefers to make his own rather than buy it in a shop. That's just the hint. What's Paul up to? Fresh cranberries, a little bit of red wine, a little bit of port, cinnamon stick, some honey, an orange, and a little bit of salt. Okay, get your pan red hot, guys. Straight in. What we're looking for these is to burst. We might throw a little bit more port or a little bit more red wine in, but it's Christmas, and these are Christmas flavors.
There you go. All right. Your answer and your name to 083 396 9696. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. Okay. Um, to uh, far more serious matters again, we were contacted by Jamie, who is a good friend of the show, contacts us a lot about many things, uh, and he was contacting us to bring David to our attention. David is uh, someone that Jamie has befriended. He's very concerned about his welfare. David has bought a car. And there's a very specific reason why he has bought that car. Now, it's a cheap old banger of a thing. Got it for half nothing. Um, I spoke to David earlier on uh, and first I asked him um, why he bought the car. Um, the reason I bought the car is because I was staying in Sheila's hostel um, and basically Sheila's closes for Christmas yeah. and I needed somewhere to go because I was sleeping on the streets for a few nights and it really is tough to sleep in the streets. Yeah. So I bought the car so at least I'm protected from the wind and rain mm-hmm. so I can um, basically stay warm. You're working, yeah? Um, I'm doing delivery, yeah. Okay, that's hard work. Yeah, um, and the weather's absolutely horrible to deliver route, to be honest with you, but it's the only choice I have, so it's the best, best option I can do at the moment. Mm. And the circumstances of how you came to be staying at Sheila's, uh, you can tell me if you want, but they're not entirely relevant. The fact is, it closes and you've nowhere to go. Yeah. I went to Focus Island and there's not much they can do either. So I'm not sure what to do, to be honest with you. There's nowhere to be had, even even if you had money to pay for something. Yeah, so I was looking on daft.e and uh, accommodation currently right now is 1,400. Mm. And a shared room is about 700 to 800. So you need about 1,400. But it's really, really difficult this time of year to find a shared room. So the car's the best option for the time being. Now, it's a, it's a bit of a banger, to say the least, of a car. It's not go- it won't go. No, it's, uh, currently it's not even tucked on and on. It's literally just parked and I'm literally in it as we speak trying to figure out how to get it to go. Right. The battery's completely gone. It could be the alternator as well. Okay. And even if you could get it going, there's no tax, no insurance, no NCT. Yeah. yeah. So it's have literally get it to a place, park it and leave it there. Have you got a driver's license? Uh, yeah, I have a provisional. Okay. So, and that that means I can't even drive by myself anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. where is it parked? Um, currently I have it. I've got. I literally this morning. Um, I was talking to a shopkeeper, and the shopkeeper has a private car space. She said I could park it there just until the new year. Okay, that's a help, at least. Yeah, it definitely was this morning. It really cheered me up. At least I have somewhere to park it. But hopefully, I can stay here because of the circumstances of how I ended up. Yeah. living in this condition in the first place. Have you thought about Simon community or going to pay? Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Any dangers in seeking their help you or someone? Oh, to be honest, I didn't think about much help this week. I've been really, really trying to do it myself until I went to buy this car and the guy who I bought the car from um, really, really tried to help me get help from other people. Yeah. And from penny dinners and stuff like that. Trying to do it myself. What are you going to do for Christmas? Where are you going to get something to eat over the weekend? Um, I haven't really thought about that so far. I haven't really thought too much ahead. I'm just thinking about day by day, to be honest. Yeah. Like, where are you going to have a shower? Change? Yeah, um, my plan, this is my plan anyway. But, um, it sounds silly, but this is my plan. Basically, try to get a gym membership and use the shower in the gyms okay. and then stay in the car and then walk during the day until I can save enough money. And have you got a few quid to get you through the weekend? I know you, like you said, you're working for Deliveroo. doesn't pay great, well, but, but it pays. Currently, I have 110 euro this current second and if I buy a battery for this car yeah that's it oh my goodness well you know penny dinners will at least give you plenty to eat so you needn't worry yeah. about that Katrina will sort you out for something to eat and if the Simon community could get you into some somewhere for a couple of nights over the Christmas God I'd hate to see you sleeping in a car where, where are you from originally you, you you're from um, I lived in London half my life. Um, my mother passed away in 2018 and she lived in the UK right. and uh, I was put into foster homes. So basically I was raised here in Ireland and the UK. Okay. Okay. You were living with with a partner in Cork but that relationship was gone. These things happen. Yeah, that's exactly how I ended up in this situation. Yeah. It's my, I, I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm just going to blame myself. It was my fault. It's awful to... to I, I did speak to someone this time last year um, who was affected by the closure of Sheila's. And look, Sheila's are entitled to close. It's their business. They're entitled to close. No, Sheila's has been fantastic to me so Have far. Have they? Have the guards come and inquired as to what you're doing in the car on private property? No. Not yet. It doesn't bother me because it's private property and I have permission. So you have permission. Yeah. If anybody no. in the services is listening and can help... What do you need right now? I I don't know. <laughs> if I knew, I'd, I'd tell you, but I don't. I don't know. I would suggest you need a hot meal and a place to stay for a few nights at least over Christmas rather than in that car. The person who contacted us has offered you, I think, the use of their showers and stuff like that, which is... Yeah, he's been fantastic. The guy I bought this car from has been absolutely fantastic to me. He yeah. used to off and give me um, bed sheets and stuff. And actually, where the car is parked, the guy next door, he gave me a pillow last night and actually gave me a cup of coffee this morning. Right. So... 
what I'd love to be able to do, David, and is get people around you and get you sorted at least that you don't have to sleep in that car over Christmas. Yeah. Will you let this with us? Yeah, I can do. Let us know where the car is and we'll make sure that Penny Dinners know to expect you for a bite to eat so you won't go hungry. You know? Okay. And and yeah. how are you getting around when you're working? I use an electric bicycle. So I'm actually He's... renting an electric bicycle currently because I did have a motorbike but I sold the motorbike. Okay. And is, so... the, is the bike safe near the car there? Um... Um, actually, last night it was fine. So my plan is to lock the. It sounds stupid, but there's door handles to so lock the bicycle to the door handles of the car, so then no one can pull the, the bike away. That doesn't sound stupid at all. That sounds very practical, but it also sounds like something you shouldn't have to do. David, leave this with us because we have we have a few contacts, and who knows what can be achieved. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye bye. Okay, that's David <clears throat> talking to me earlier. Now, since that conversation, he's bought, he's bought the battery for the car. Sadly, the damn thing still won't start. Is there a mechanic who might be able to help out, do a good deed, go and have a look at the car? We can tell you where it is. Maybe if you could just get the thing going. Look, it doesn't have an NCT. It doesn't have tax. It doesn't have insurance. But maybe he can get it going, even warm himself up. Use the heater in the car. And um, that won't be a, a, a good start with any, any mechanic listening. I'm thinking of the, someone like a few geniuses out there that would just come and help. Um, also, Labour Party Councillor John Maher has been in touch. Uh, he's going to try and get David help from homeless services, which is great. And um, we, we've been speaking to Katrina in the last few minutes and indeed earlier this morning. She's on the case already. Uh, wouldn't you just know it so we're going to keep in touch with David and keep an eye on this because it's not good, it's a lovely lad it's not good enough that he's sleeping in a car, he doesn't blame Sheila's, they're entitled to clothes for Christmas and rest up their staff, just as entitled as anybody else, but he's got nowhere to go for the next few days, except sitting in a car that he's bought and doesn't even start so he can't heat the car up so let's see what we can do for this lad. And if you know of anybody who might be able to help, you know where we are, 0818 96 96 96. Speaking of Katrina, um, Stephen Fox was down at the Penny Dinners during the week. Um, Katrina gets, gets letters. She gets Santa letters sent to her um, by, by youngsters. Uh, and Stephen chatted with her about that. Hiya, Katrina here from Cockpenny Dinners. You got a fair few letters from children coming to the Christmas time and you're commissioned now that they all get answered. See, a lot of children come to Penny Dinners and they think that it's a restaurant and their mums or their dads might tell them that we know Santa. So when the kids come, they'd ask us, do you know Santa? And then when they write the letter, they give us the letter for to give to Santa and of course we say we do. But we've had some, you know, when we read the letters, some of them are just ordinary letters, Santa, can I have X, Y and Z for Christmas? But we had one little fella and he said, Santa, Santa can I have a big boy's bike for Christmas and he went down to describe what he was on and what he had only remembered as a bike and that they had been homeless and in and out of 
a couple of different places for a while so he never had a chance to have a bike but they got their home and that's where that was coming from and we had a little girl who was looking for her doll and her pram she said I have a buggy she said it cost eight ninety nine. so we could understand where the little girl was asking for a proper pram and we know her and we've seen the buggy with her and we've seen the doll so we said you'd have to look after because these are children that may have just got a home for Christmas or may still be homeless so obviously we will have to step up to the mark and look after all of them and make sure that Christmas goes by as normal as possible for them so some of them will come on Christmas Day and they'll join in the music and everything and again they think it's a restaurant because we always tell them that but the letters are heartbreaking when you think that a child like is actually coming to Penny Dinners with the letter and that the mother brings the child down and I'm sure the mum behind it all is hoping and praying that there's something on that list that we can help her with as well you know so we do take them all like to heart really even last Christmas Eve we had to ring around every friend that we knew that knew any shop that would have such a thing for a child and it was only 20 euros but there was massive tears like you know from the mother because she couldn't get it and she had tried but she had no transport to go to all the places that had it and then on ringing around we found that a load of places didn't have it but we knew the child and so we rang around and eventually somebody got in touch with a sister whose sister-in-law's brother walked someplace and they were able to get it for us and you have no idea and we still see that child like you know when the child comes up like and the child is holding that same toy the whole time so we know what it means to the child because it's Christmas but we also know what it means to the parents to be able to help them like that and then the other toys that we get we just give them away on a daily basis we'd put them off we'd have second hand toys and we'd have new toys but we'd give parents the option of taking a few stocking fillers I suppose we'd call them and they do so again we never thought we'd receive Santa letters last year we did get a letter and the year before we got two I think the year before we had some guy wrote a whole story he wrote the story to us about what he thinks Santa Claus is why Santa Claus should come to him because he was so good so when we sit down and we read them when we get a lull in service like in Penny Dinners we sit down and we look at the letters and then you'll hear one of the volunteers oh they might start crying or something so we actually do feel it really especially when you know them and when you know the situation that they're in at the minute it's very tough and like we had one child one time that came to us and uh, he just stood there and he said I just want to make sure my mummy has enough food and enough coal in the house for Christmas because she's very worried about it and we asked him what he wanted for Christmas and that was his reply to us and of course you're taken aback then by that you don't know what to say like and you have to try and think quickly you know and we're saying I'm sure Santa will help your mummy too what do you want he said you know I'm okay and he said but my mummy isn't and he was insistent that his mummy wasn't okay and she was saying I'm fine you know and trying to tell him he said I know when my mummy is sad the kid picked up on it and of course we picked up on it then and sure we're at the door then ready to bawl our eyes out like but you can't and because the kid was being matter of fact practical like in his request you know we spoke to the mother and we said look we'll fix things like few phone calls kind of fixes things so so you'd be confident then that you'll be able to answer the few letters you've gotten oh yes we will we're very lucky the amount of support that we get and again if we haven't got something it's only a matter of putting it out there and just like the Indians the smoke signals is it and all those things like that goes out and then everything happens and we're so grateful because it just means that we don't have to physically go out and search for it which would take us away from what we do there Christmas is very very hectic it's hard and it's solid graft to get through what we have to get through but we do we just get to it because it's teamwork the majority of the volunteers know exactly what to do so that's brilliant but again you'd be surprised at what people ask for and what people look for 
and if somebody has it they'll give it to us and then they can have it so that's the beauty of it it's all extra work but you know it's good work we're making the effort for people that need it and mm. that's all that matters really that we're all prepared to make that effort it's a lovely feeling to have volunteers you know and people you see every day that are, are just so good it's, it's good for me to have them as well I really am so lucky Ah, here lads Oh, wow. Katrina took me down at Penny Dinners and thanks to Stephen Fox for going down and chatting with her about the letters that they get. Ooh. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Some lovely stuff coming in um, about David. We have a, a person on the phone is willing to offer David a house in halfway, rent-free, for a few months. Uh, reckons he sounds so legit and so proud deserves a helping hand. The house is in halfway. Logistically, could be an issue, but we actually have an offer. Uh, it's a room in a house. I beg your pardon. It's a room in a house in halfway. So we have an offer of a room in a house in halfway for David. Um, logistically, it could be a problem because he's on an electric bike, but we'll, look, it's there and the offer is so kind. We have a mechanic will help to get the car going so that he can heat it up and charge his phone and stuff like that. It's about a half-hour cycle out to halfway. If the bike would hold up to and fro, then he could be sorted. Uh, yeah, um, lots of people offering to buy batteries. He has a battery. The car just won't start. Um, and then many people saying, where would we be without Katrina? Uh, she's a walking angel. Thank you, Katrina, says Catherine, the most selfless woman uh, to walk Cork City. And there is that. John was Maher contacted us, and David... Uh, is calling into Katrina tomorrow. We'll get that lad sorted. We'll get him sorted in some way, shape, or form before the Christmas if we can. 0818 96 96 96. You don't need me to tell you that among all the bad stuff and all the dark stuff and all the bad stories and all the sad stuff that's out there, there's massive kindness. And it's it's pouring in now for David this morning. And believe it when I tell you, I have another story of kindness after the break. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays 10am to 2pm. With Cork Simon. Anne wants to give everyone the home that Cork gave her. She's leaving a gift in her will to Cork Simon. Find out more at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Come here, who's the hardest in the house to buy uh, presents for at Christmas. Um, Apple Green did a survey uh, to check. And most people said the hardest person to buy presents for is your partner. One in four said the hardest person to surprise is your partner. I can see that. No matter how long you're with someone, you always want to get that smile out of them on, on Christmas morning. Uh, the thing they weren't expecting or the thing that surprised them. You always want to do that. There's a bit of work goes into that. Grandparents were the last person you think of. Oh, God, I beg you something from Nana. Yeah. Oh, wait, one, eight, ninety six. Fathers, by the way, were the second hardest to please at Christmas. I don't know. I always get a big smile on my face Christmas morning from whatever the the young crowd buy for me. Now, um, 
Dave O'Connor at suits.ie. Dave, one of your one of your staff, um, great kindness shown to him yesterday. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, first of all, happy Christmas to, to you and your listeners. Thank you, sir. Same to you. Um, yesterday morning, um, our master tailor, Mr. Ali, was going to work at 20 past eight, and he boarded the bus at the train station in Lower Glamway Road, the 225 bus. He got off the bus in Four Chill, and he came to work roughly approximately nine o'clock. Mm. Roughly around 12 o'clock, he noticed his wallet was missing. So when he paid for the bus, he had to go to his leap card and he left the wallet probably on the seat of the of the bus and he came into me and he was um you know very, very upset because his pres his money for to buy his Christmas presents was in the wallet, oh his driving license, his visa card. There was six hundred euros in cash in the wallet. Oh my god. So we rang CIE and we got through to a car centre and of no avail and around three o'clock we were very busy about weddings for the new year one of our staff above Nell this gentleman came in in a bus air uniform and he handed in the wallet and everything that was left in the wallet that was left on on the bus was in the wallet the 600 euros cash the visa card his business card Mr Ali that's how he tracked us down and Nell he went away very fast the, the the bus driver in question or the gentleman from CIE and we went to try and track him down to say thank you first of all for his honesty and his kindness and as a token of our appreciation and in the Christmas spirit we want to dress him for Christmas free because we really admire his honesty and his kindness at Christmas Well you know Dave, you know? That, that was fantastic that was, and he actually that went to the trouble of tracking you down he did, uh, and he, and he, like, you know, he came up in his own time after work with the wallet, and it's an incredible story. And you know, like Mr. Ali's absolutely thrilled. Now he can buy the Christmas presents that he was saving for all the year. Oh, lovely. And you know, it's it's a good story, and it's you know, we must applaud them, the CIE bus driver and all the bus drivers who do great work mm. in CIE, and we want to say thank you back to him. And PJ, we need your help to track him down. Well, if we can find you him, know. whoever was driving the 225 bus yesterday uh, from the train station and found a man's wallet and was honest enough and decent enough and kind enough to track the man down and get the wallet back to him, uh, his his boss would like to look after you for Christmas. Dave, you and I know this. There's so much kindness out there. There's incredible kindness out there, PJ, you know, from all um, walks of life. And we see it every day in our shops in Blackpool Shopping Centre and in Ballycarine above, um, you know, decency and kindness. And, um, you know, it's fantastic. Like, and, you know, long may it continue. Yeah. And um, there's some great people out there doing yeah. great work on the streets, helping people every day of the week. And, and, you know, and do it and, quietly and 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 no no as well like, you know Absolutely. and um it's it's fantastic you know and this is another good news story here as well in regards to Mr. Ali's wallet absolutely and, if we can, and we can find that driver dave we'll we'll, we'll put you in contact um off air i know that the dave at suits.ie would like to make a gesture to the driver of the 225 bus thanks that's that's dave o'connor suits.ie um the 225 bus took a man got on at the train station, paid his fare with his leap card, 
left his wallet on the bus. You, the driver, found the wallet, minded the wallet, found his business card, found his place of work and brought his wallet to him yesterday afternoon. You were a kind and decent and honourable human being and his boss, Dave, and the company he works for would like to thank you, first of all, publicly and has used us to do that. We endorse it, but they'd like to to treat you for Christmas. Give us a call. Give us a call. 0818 96 96 96. Sean Ryan was on from Executive Laundry about David. They're out at 185 Old Yall Road. David can have free laundry services if he's any clothes or anything to sort out over the next few days. And they're open tomorrow from 7am until 4. Thank you very much, uh, Sean. The kindness... Uh, flying in for David we'll get something sorted for that lad Katrina's going to meet him so he won't go hungry um, we've got someone I think hopefully going to see him can we get a mechanic to try and get that car sorted out get it started get the place get the car heated up and at least he can charge his phone and stuff off the car but we, we want to do better than that we want to get a place to stay we have an offer of a room and a house and halfway it's a bit of a distance out but the kindness and the decency and the generosity is there. Let's see what we can arrange for this lad who was brought to our attention in the last couple of days. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. Happy holidays. With your local mace, savings with a smile all through the Christmas season. They can call me. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The on Cork's 96 FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors for the Volkswagen ID Buzz. Fully electric, fully connected and full of new ideas. NewmarketVolkswagen.ie On Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> the minds are Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Oh, it's 96FM. Yeah, Michael was on from uh, Maryborough to say, yes, it was a very windy morning. Uh, he was up at six o'clock, as Michael is wont to be, and four of his five five cats shot out the back door. <laughs> they were afraid of the wind, or shot in the back door, in the door, yeah, in the door, running out away from the wind. And then Michael goes for a walk every morning around quarter past seven, and um, a young lady approached, running, and all she'd on her was a tiny pair of shorts and a singlet. No headgear, no gloves, nothing. Her shoulders and arms weren't covered. <laughs> There's Michael with four shorts, headgear and gloves. <laughs> Healthy young people. Yeah, Michael's out every morning, traipsing up and down Maryborough Hill and looking fit for it. Fair play to you, Michael. And he also, every so often, he borrows next door's dog. Whether the dog wants to be walked or not, that dog's getting walked. This st- and the lady's still doing it. She's... A fixture on Maryborough Hill. If you know who I'm talking about, you know who she is. The lady with the glasses. And she'd often be 
carrying bags, shopping bags. You'd see her walk, and she walks for hours every day. She walks miles every day. Um, but you could time your watch by her up and down Maryborough Hill of a morning. It's amazing. She's been doing it for years. That was the adventures this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Now, at tomorrow's last show of the year, last show of the season, and I can tell you this now, we, we are working on a call to the North Pole. There's a new press, press officer has been hired in the North Pole this year, and I swear, I don't know where they got them from. They must have got them out of a lucky bag. Um, but we're working on it. We're working on it. We know that Santa is aware of our call and aware of the opportunity that we want an opportunity to speak with Santa um, before the end of the of the year, before the end of the season. So our request is in with the press officer. I, 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 I swear to God, they got the press officer out of a lucky bag. But we're working on it. <laughs> We'll talk to Santa with a bit of luck on the show tomorrow. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Want to start out your Christmas meat with three hundred euros worth of meat and produce for you from O'Cruley Butchers. We've two more days of this. We have it again tomorrow. They've sixty years in business under their belt, a cork-run business with a rich heritage, offering quality product. Uh, we have a chef with us every day, cooking up something for the Christmas. This. Today it's my pal Paul Trevo. Now it's fairly obvious what he's at, but then again, it's Christmas. We're just giving the stuff away. So what is Paul brewing up here? Fresh cranberries, a little bit of red wine, a little bit of port, cinnamon stick, some honey, an orange, and a little bit of salt. Okay, get your pan red hot, guys. Straight in. What we're looking for these is to burst. We might throw a little bit more port or a little bit more red wine in, but it's Christmas, and these are Christmas flavors. No, he's not making mulled wine. <laughs> he isn't making mulled. Actually, I have my own particular recipe for mulled wine. Um, you need an open fire to do it. So not very many people have open fires anymore. But so you know the you put the poker from the companion, make sure it's clean. Put the poker from the companion set into the coal fire and redden the, the tip of it. And then get your wine and get your nutmeg and your spices and stir them into the wine and then take the poker out of the fire and very carefully into the wine. And that will give you the most extraordinary mulled wine. Yeah. <laughs> Just me, all right? Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, down in Ballinhasic, they took matters into their own hands after Storm Babette and they can sleep easy now over Christmas because there's a place called Tullig Beg and there's only eight houses in it and they've been flooded time and time again over the years every time the Onabwe River gets angry looking they live in fear and they've been trying to get something done about this for yonks uh, now the council has appointed consultants According to uh, own English writing in the exam or the examiner in the last few days, but the residents sick and tired and sore and sorry from waiting for the council to do something, they took matters into their own hands. Uh, Kate McGran is one of those residents, and Kate, she just decided we're going for it. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, the Ballinhasic Village Association here 
gave us a real helping hand. They helped set up a GoFundMe page and they just got the ball rolling and um, putting up an embankment for us to surround our eight houses and protect us. Mm. You know, there was a great team of people involved and they just really pushed on and got it done. They they don't kind of hang around. <laughs> they uh, they really call it to action. The community wanted to do something for us and this is what they came up with. I'm looking at the photographs from Storm Babbitt. Frightening. And it wasn't your first flood? No, no, it wasn't. The circumstances surrounding each flood were very different. And each flood that we experienced, it's all different things that are causing the flood in the sense that, you know, there's a particular set of circumstances. I mean, Babette, it was just the quantity of water that fell in a really short space of time and the water had nowhere to go. But like that, we had put in some defences ourselves. You know, there were everybody in the eight houses put in their own measures for some embankment or kind of protection mm. from the river. But um, there was areas that we just weren't protected from. Mm-hmm. So this was, you know, it, it encompasses the whole area and at least we're protected from the river now and it shouldn't come over. Like, you know, I mean, it, we'll know for sure when it's put to the test. And it will, it will, because we were told this was a one in... 100 year event yeah. in 2009 when it first happened and it has happened three times in 14 years there you go. so that statistic isn't applicable anymore no. no from your own point of view your house like how badly mm. damaged were you this time um our house got nine inches of water inside um so the whole ground floor we do have um a space upstairs that wasn't affected obviously but um you know, not all of the houses here have two stories. Some of them are bungalows. But some of the houses got a lot more water. They got up to 15 inches. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, kind of once it, like, it, destroy, it destroys the home. The floors are gone. It soaks into the plaster that is on the walls. You have to cut that out, you know, so, and it has, you have to, it's like a sponge, so it absorbs in. So there's a lot more than kind of, you know, getting a mop to something, yeah. tidying it up, just kicking down furniture, white walls. Maybe cut away walls, rip out things. If you save your white goods, you're absolutely blessed. You know, we, a lot of us knew what to expect. We knew how fast it could come in mm-hmm. because it it kind of, it, it almost seems like the water is a bit lazy during the day or, you know, you can see it rising. Mm-hmm. And then within the space of a couple of hours, your house is flooded. Yeah. So it looks like it might not embark on the houses and then all of a sudden it's in yeah. and you can't stop it once it's in. How are you fixed with repairs? Were you able to get even a start on the repairs in time for Christmas? No, it just starts to snow. And some some items can be saved. And it depends how long the water is sitting there also. So here you are, still trying to mop up and hopefully get the place some way together for Christmas. And, and, and I wish yeah. you luck with that. Then you take your own action as a group of people. It must be very frustrating that you have to do that. Because the government won't. Yeah, so we had a meeting not long after Babas with the council who have been assigned by the OPW to take care of this flood scheme. Now it has been in the pipeline for some time in terms of like there's been discussions around it and we were told that even for interim measures we could be waiting another two to three years. Interim measures, not, we don't know necessarily what they could be but we, we just did that ourselves. They, like, you know, for every process that's done, they need a team of people 
by the sounds of it, to sign off on all of these things. You know, there's been about a decade of research and and tests Mm -hmm. on the river, engineers, you know, different people and consultants coming out over the years doing, writing up reports. And I don't understand what, you know, nothing has come of those. On the contrary, though, how quickly were you able to turn something around when you got together as a community? Yeah, less than 10 days. Maybe a week's work, you know, so um, not including the weekends, yeah. Maybe about a week. Doesn't make sense, does it? No, it really doesn't. There's just so much red tape involved. I understand they're trying to do their jobs, but at the same time, it's very different when you are at the mercy of it. When you are the one experiencing it all the time, and you're the one who has to, like, it takes months to clean up. It takes, in the sense of to get your house back to the way it was. It takes months. And this has happened three times. It's disrupted our lives three times. Four for some, actually. Two of the houses were flooded twice in one year. But, you know, like, it, it takes so much of your energy and your time. And people are anxious. Now, with this embankment, we can kind of sleep well at night. We can rest assured that, you know, we have some level of protection. And your little community did yeah. in 10 days what mm. the local government authority has been faffing about with for 10 years? Longer. <laughs> Longer at this stage. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's amazing when you put it side by side like that. Well, if nothing else, with that embankment now in place, you'll get a peaceful night's sleep over Christmas. I wish you well, Kate. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to the Balanastic Village Association and the wider Balanastic community for helping us out. We really appreciate it and we wish you all a very peaceful Christmas. Cheers. Cheers, Kate. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) You have to laugh because if you didn't, you'd cry. So 10 years arsing about to protect those houses. Local authorities fluting about with reports and surveys and task forces and other such manure. And in 10 days, a determined community raised a bit of money and got something done. Doesn't it say it all, say it all lads, in, <clears throat> in 2023? 0818969696, coming back to accessibility, Antoinette was on to me. And Antoinette won our family passes from the Everyman last week to go to see the Panto. And of course, Antoinette's daughter Katie has mobility issues. She rang the Everyman to make sure that on the day of the Panto, the the seats that they were allocated would be accessible. And Una from the Everyman got back on to Antoinette and said, yes, as far as they know, everything will be okay, but they're going to double check it. And if those seats are not accessible on that day, they will reallocate the tickets to another day when they can guarantee accessible seats. That's how it's done. Well done to the crew at the Everyman. And I just wanted to say thanks because Katie had been left down badly when she tried to go on the ice down at the marina. And that was very disappointing for her. So that's fantastic. The Everyman will not be forgotten by the family. And uh, it'll be their go-to panto every year from here on in. That's fantastic news. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm forgetting stuff. <laughs> I love this. So I came home on Christmas Day. Pat says, 
came home on Christmas Day after being to see my auntie. Met the cousins and the whole thing. Got the gifts and the cards. Came back and threw the envelope, the envelopes, onto the top of the stove. As you do. Went to go back out after my dinner. Had no sign of the car keys. Had thrown them with the envelopes up on top of the stove, or so he thought. No sign of the car keys. Searched the house. No sign of the car keys. Stayed in for the rest of the day. The following day, cleaning out the stove to reset the fire. There they are, inside in it. And they destroyed. They only had the one set of keys. So the wait. It was a healthy Christmas because they were doing more walking than driving. Thanks, Pat. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six and uh, Helen. Oh Helen. Oh Helen, you didn't. Oh, you didn't, Helen. No, you didn't. PJ, I don't have to wait till Christmas Eve to remember what I forgot. I forgot to make an appointment to get my hair cut, and now I'm like the Grinch or whoever else because my hair is sticking up all over the place. But you know what? It will just have to do until after Christmas. Happy Christmas from Helen and y'all. Happy Christmas to you too, Helen and y'all. <laughs> hair like a bat's nest. She doesn't care. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. Merry Christmas! With your local maze. Great value deals for family and friends this Christmas. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Weekdays when you wake up. On Cork's 96FM. What's your ultimate person that you'd be attracted to? Give us your Spotify artist. Let's go with Taylor, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Top accent. I'll go with Scouts. Trending interest, horror movies, hip-hop, tennis, voguing and walking my dog. You're going to say voguing. Okay. Rave, live music, long walks, pub quiz and painting. Pub quiz. Love a pub yeah. quiz. Okay, so Wayne Rooney basically is your <laughs> ideal man. <laughs> <laughs> Lorraine and Ross in the morning. With no DC cars, the place to order your 2024 Skoda. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Open 24-7 at nodc.com. Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. I am delighted to say we spoke just before 11, not even half an hour ago, to Dave O'Connor at suits.ie, who was trying to find who helped his tailor yesterday by finding his wallet on the 225 bus and bringing it all the way out to the premises. Dave, you found them. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, yes, we found them. Um, the driver's name was Rob Maxweeney. Right. And he actually... Um, got off the bus in the bull, at, at the Bull McCabe's driver to leave the passengers off. And as he was standing outside the bus, a passenger handed the wallet to him. Right. So then he, when he finished work, he brought it into Capwell and he handed over the wallet to a Jason Flahaven. Okay. And then Jason Flahaven delivered the wallet up to Mr. Ali. Isn't that brilliant? So we're going to dress... Um, Rob Maxweeney and Jason Flahaven, and if we can identify the person who handed the wallet over, we'll dress him as well, you know, for Christmas. Ah, listen. As a gesture of saying thank you back to, to them, their honesty and their generosity. Ah, uh, Dave, you're a, kind, you're a kind man. You're a kind man. And that was just a lovely thing to happen at Christmas week. Went fantastic. Uh, fantastic news. You know? uh, and we found them to rob. But just to let you know, dear PJ, is yeah. that this is very special for me as well because my own granddad over 80 years ago 
worked in CIE with, um, he was a coach builder, and he worked with Dino Krieger. You know Dino? I do, coach. Dino, yeah, Dino. He worked with Dino's dad. They were coach builders, and he worked in CIE over eight years ago, and they were two gentlemen as well. So it's very special for me to look after uh, the, two, the two lads from CIE, you know? All right, Dave, listen. And, you know, and... Well, fantastic. So thank you back to them as well for their honesty. That's absolutely fantastic. A catch up over the Christmas, my friend. Dave O'Connor at suits.ie. We found them. Rob, the driver. Jason, the guy in Capwell, who sorted it out. And whoever the passenger was who picked up that wallet, uh, it would have been a fine, thick wallet full of money and full of cards, gave it, did the honest and decent thing. They want to find you too. So did you get off a bus, 225 bus? Did you get off a 225 bus yesterday up around the Bullman Caves and did you give a wallet to the driver that you'd found on the bus? Well, there is someone who wants to say thank you to you. The decorations are up and the cushions are changed for the Christmas cushions and all the ornaments have been replaced in our house by nutcrackers. I don't want them replaced by in your house. We've... <laughs> Boxes and boxes and bags of stuff lying around. We've got to hide them. We've got to declutter the house now so it looks like Christmas Wonderland. And then afterwards, we've got to get all the stuff back out again and put it back. Anne-Marie Kingston of White Stage. Help! (laughs) What do we do? Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm very well. The house will look great if I can get rid of all the stuff that's supposed to be hidden. Yeah, and that's what we do, you see. We'll move the clutter around, we'll put it into every corner behind couches that, you know, as you said, make place look wonderful for Christmas. But really, the thing is to get the clutter once it's ready, to get it to the charity shop and in 12 to 24 hours. You know, the charity shops are still open until the end of the week, still accepting donations. Right. Again, get items to the recycling centre. They, they should be your two best friends, PJ, the charity shops and the recycling centre. So you're suggesting that some of the stuff I've moved to make way for Christmas decorations, I should now sit down and say, what I, what can I do without? Well, you, yeah, it's a good chance. You know, it's when we're swapping things around, it's a great time. You know, again, do we love the items in our house? It's, you know, our taste change, our... Everything's changed in our home, you know, our interiors. And sometimes, you know, they've been there for numerous years. They could be decades. And it gets to a stage, you know, okay, I'm done dusted with it. I'd like to get something different. And what people do is then they put them into cupboards, up into the attics, you know, into presses, and they're there to stay. So really, this is a great time to just really kind of sit down and say, right, will I bring this back out? So now is an opportunity to take stock. You've removed all this stuff and replaced it with Christmas decorations. And instead of putting it into the attic, you have to have a conversation with yourself and say, well, can I get rid of some of that? Absolutely. And you see, like, I, you know, Christmas, is, like, you know, Christmas before, like, when I was up, you know, it was kind of from December, we're looking at decorations, PJ, from August onwards. So, like, we are picky. We're all guilty of it, let us say. You know, picking up little bits like that. And, you know, what, other, what decorations didn't go up this year, they could really be nearly kind of be going. You know, because we're picking up new ones. If something is coming in, there should be something going out the door to meet it. Oh. You know, if it keeps coming in, it's going to take over. And that's where the overwhelm comes from. That is where we're getting frustrated and the cluttered in is taking over our home or everything. It takes over our life. There's the thing about, like, toys in particular. If you if you've smallies, yeah. like, Santa yeah. is going to restock um, oh, Christmas morning. So <laughs> there are houses all over Cork with corners full of toys and kitchens and bikes already and Santa's yeah. going to bring more on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd always say, PJ, with toys, right, like, you should be doing the clutter of toys for every birthday party that's in the house. Um, like, we have three kids, 10, 8, and uh, nearly a three-year-old. So, like, I'm doing, 
like a, a declutter for every birthday and for Christmas. So before the arrival centre, you should be doing another declutter. So, you know, that's where you have to keep on top of it because you know the toys they're playing with on a regular basis. There's going to be toys that are no longer age-appropriate. They should be really going out the door as well. And again, charity shops are there. You know, there's modern toddler groups. You know, if they're broken, if they're like, you know, electricals, they can go straight to the, the blue basket in the recycling centre for free. Um, use like the Facebook pages, those buy and sell pages. Try to get money back on items if they haven't been used. And if there's toys that haven't been opened, that were gifted, seek new pass them on as gifts as well. See, there's no room for sentiment here, is there, Anne-Marie? Yes and no, I suppose. Look, there's going to be items, really, I suppose, Peter, that were very sentimental towards, yeah. right? They will be items that will probably, you know, put them in a keepsake box. But don't be, you know, we can't take this stuff with us. As I would say, PJ, I'm known for this line, you know, there's no hearse with um, a trailer. You know, we can't take this stuff <laughs> with us. <laughs> I love that. But, you know, this is like, you know, at, at the end of it, Everything has a connection. Yeah. If Nan and Papa bought it, you know, everything has a link. That's why people are very slow to declutter and let go because every single piece of paper, clothing, toy, everything has a connection, has a memory. Yeah. And people, that's why we're very slow. People get fierce attached, particularly yeah. to the toys that their children had when they were very, very small. Yes, yes, yep. And there's such choice out there. And obviously, PJ, like, you know, it's a difference even when I was growing up. The choice, there's too much choice. Like, we can have toys at our door than, like within 24 hours, which is great in one way, but we have too much choice. But the thing is really to restock it. Say, okay, what are, what are, we, what are the kids playing with? Yeah. And if they're not, let's start clearing out because what happens for everyone, PJ, including ourselves, when you're surrounded by clutter on a regular basis, it's affecting your concentration, your mood, your productivity, the relationships in the home. For kids, you know, it's causing frustration because they can't play with their toys because they can't see them or, you know, because there's so much going on, there's so much busyness going on because at the end of the day, clutter is, it's energy. So that's right. busy energy. And I'd always say, like, keep bed, like, try to avoid um, listeners, you know, toys and bedrooms. This is where the kids need to, their downtime, their sleep is affected if they're surrounded by all this busyness going on because they can't switch off. And again, that's very, that's not good for their health and their well-being. That's so, interesting that you should say that, Anne-Marie, uh, no matter how organized you are as a person in preparation yep. for Christmas and you have that list in your head or the list written down, if your surroundings are open yep. heap pending, That's you can't perfect. you can't sort that list out. Is that just a psychological thing? It will be. You know, everything is a mindset, PJ. But, you know, if you're looking at kind of thinking, right, I'm having dinner for so many people or so many family members, you know, in, so, in four days' time. You know, if your countertops are full, the presses are bulging out, you're like, how are we going to actually pull all this together? You know, if your countertops are clear, your presses are organised and decluttered, it's very easy. You could pull it all together very quickly. But you see, you're, you'll be so affected by all this business and you can't concentrate and you're getting very frustrated. See. And that's causing, you're getting very just, that's basically where the overwhelm has come in because you can't actually think straight. Okay, so that, that pile of stuff is actually distracting your concentration oh, even okay. though you don't realise. Yeah. That's 1, a very good percent. point. That's and a good that's point. what people do, then you see with the bundles and the piles, they'll put the piles into a box and, or into a bag, yeah. that'll be shoved into a dump room and then the dump room goes, explodes. <laughs> dump room becomes an apartment, yeah, happens. no, gotcha. Yeah. Mary was on, she says, I'm a mum of two small kids. I hate all those plastic storage boxes yeah. for toys 
I love my kids, but I don't like the look either of toys strewn all over the house. Any storage suggestions from Anne-Marie that look well as opposed to those awful plastic boxes? Yeah, like I know I would say, like, to your listeners, like, you know, try Ikea. I know those cube shelving and create either, like, but the thing is with toys, if the kids can't see them, they won't play with them. Mm. You know, so that's why I don't even put things like the only things I put into storage boxes in my house and for my clients would be say like, you know, the Christmas decorations, clothing, you know, for the siblings down the line. I wouldn't be putting much into like, you know, into storage boxes really, you know, just maybe group them together. But I'd like for ourselves, we have kind of like, um, my husband made shelving for us in the toy room, but they're on the shelf, but they can see them and they can handle them. Okay. If there's lids on them, you know, um, they won't play with them because they can't, they can't visually see them. And they won't be, they'll be forgotten about. Is there, a few, is there a few quid to be made, say, on Dundee or other such sites from, from stuff that, you know, you no longer use that's in good nick, like wedding wedding presents that you never really liked or, or oh, anything? Yeah. There was two years, God, it's a while back, no, PJ, the, I basically didn't have to put my hand in my pocket for two Christmases. You know, I had clothes belonged to myself. There was unwanted gifts. There was, you know, equipment from the kids when there was small baby equipment. There was two Christmases, and every, like there was a fiver here, there was a, a camp carder, or um, yeah, my husband bought me a camp carder years ago, it was never used because I suppose the, the iPhone kind of came out then. Yeah. And I got money back in all of these items in all these 50s and 20s and 100s and 300s. They all added up. I'd always say to my clients, if you can get money back on your items, go for it. Because right. at the end of the day, PJ, our clutter was money at one stage. Yeah. yeah. That was money. When you look around your home, that was actually money in your bank account. It was. It was. You know, so if we were to add up what we spend, I'd hate to even think what uh, we got to in our lifetime. Either. Oh, your, pract- your practicality is breathtaking. Very practical. <laughs> Anne-Marie, have a great Christmas. You uh, too. Anyway, and white, sta- white sage decluttering is Anne-Marie Kingston's business. And she's on the gram and she's on the other uh, social media. How to keep the place clean and tidy. Um, and and you, I think you do. She she, she ducks the word, but uh, but I think you do have to be a little bit ruthless. Queen Bee is brilliant at it. Um, I I. But then again, there's stuff everywhere. We started. We're twenty Christmases now in our current house, and we have stuff from when the kids were born. Um, when we lived in Carrigaline, we've stuff from Christmases that far back. It's still in the attic. We used to have Christmas Corner. So when we moved into our house, I floored one corner of the attic and we just called it Christmas Corner. Everything was in there. Now I have flippin' Christmas Avenue, which meets you halfway down the attic as you come up the stair. Um, and that's just the Christmas stuff. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I want to try and clear as much correspondence as I can. We were talking earlier on this morning to Padre Harrington from the Guard Representative Association about the fact that Cork has only had one new guard allocated from the latest bunch uh, come out of Templemore. One new guard out of 150. PJ, it saddens me to hear this, says Justin. Fire Helen McEntee. Any Justice Minister that says she can't give the guards powers they don't ask for is the worst leader and an example of the Irish way of just doing what they're told while the leaders pass the book. You need a Sheriff Joe RPO type to head up the police force. You need cops, not people looking for a job with free housing. There's enough retired officers in this country that are educated well beyond the head of the Gardaí and have actual common sense 
and can get the job done, says Justin. On another day, Justin, I'd call you and we'd talk this through because you've got some ideas. But the problem is, and I've delved into this before with our politicians, the Minister for Justice cannot, it's, it's kind of a separation of powers thing, the Minister for Justice cannot tell the Garda Commissioner where to send guards. It's it's just not in their remit to do that. They can make a recommendation. Can't tell them. 0818 96 96 96. It is down to Drew Harris. And we learned that this morning from uh, Padraig Harrington, the GRA, that the, the resources office, the people who allocate guards to Cork, they look at Cork and they see all the guards that are down here. They don't realise that some of them are never actually available to be on the beat. But it's an accounting exercise, which is why we got one, one new guard in the last two weeks. It's Christmas time. Hear your favourite Christmas hit 24-7. Listen to Cork's 96 Miss, streaming online now. With Desi's Tires, open seven days with late evenings in Blackpool. Also at Little Island, Cargoline and Vickers Road. Desi'sTires.ie Download our app or see 96FM.ie Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96. Right, your last opportunity to get in on this. It, if it was any easier, it would be silly. But still, it's Christmas, so we make it easy. Our friends at O'Cruelly Butchers, 300 euro voucher every day this week. Cork run business with a rich heritage, offering quality meat and produce. What is our chef uh, cooking today? It's pretty obvious, but just tell me anyway, yeah? Fresh cranberries, a little bit of red wine, a little bit of port, cinnamon stick, some honey, an orange, and a little bit of salt. Okay, get your pan red hot, guys. Straight in. What we're looking for these is to burst. We might throw a little bit more port or a little bit more red wine in, but it's Christmas, and these are Christmas flavors. All right, your last chance to get the answer and your name to 083-396-9696. Now, yesterday morning... Uh, and we've had a couple of requests in. People asked me would I play it yesterday, and I will. Before we finish up tomorrow, Ross wrote... The devil, he's obscenely talented. Ross wrote a little piece for The Breakfast Show, and it had them all in tears here yesterday morning. Um, tears because it's so lovely. He wrote a piece about an old man who's alone on Christmas Eve because his wife has died. And it's gorgeous. And we spoke about loneliness on the programme only last week or the week before. And when I heard that yesterday morning, um, I said, we've got to hear that again before we're done. So before we're done tomorrow, we will get a chance to hear that again. Um, Ross's piece called This Is Christmas. So um, we're slotted in somewhere between now and uh, the end of business tomorrow. We're popping off on our travels, though. We've caught up a couple of times with Pat O'Neill, Vamas Canary Islands on TikTok. Um, Pat lives in the Canary Islands, but um, decided a few weeks back to rent out the house in Canary Islands and head off to Argentina, to Buenos Aires. We last caught up with him when he was off doing a weekend in Uruguay or somewhere was next door, and he's still there, and he'll be there until the new year. Um, and we said we'd catch up again, because Pat, I saw overnight on my social media, there were some riots in, in Buenos Aires over the last, or at least big protests over the last few days. What's going on over there? Good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. Good morning from Buenos Aires. Uh, yeah, I was actually down there in the city centre yesterday. There was, uh, I suppose, the first big protest against uh, the new government. But it was, you know, it was quite peaceful, I have to say, you know. Yeah, um, a lot of people, and, but no violence. Like, no, and actually what it is, it was like a protest um, come out uh, like a memory of there was a big financial crash back in 2001 and 39 percent oh, sorry 39 people died so that it happens every year but this year it turned into an anti-government protest you know okay because this guy with the chainsaw has, has he settled yeah. into government now? <laughs> he was waving a chainsaw well, sure <laughs> well I tell you one thing PJ for a politician he's unusual he's doing everything he said he would you know um like he's like uh, he's like uh, there was price controls on a lot of food, you know, and he's got rid of them. And inflation has just gone insane. Again, like uh, yeah, well, it's it's up to one hundred and sixty-one percent. But see, what he's done now, he's like he devalued the peso by fifty-four percent there last week. Uh, like there was a lot of basic foods. A lot of basic foods went up by one hundred percent in the last seven days. No wonder people are protesting. Come here to me, Pat. They, they, I'm looking at this in front of me. They're closing the yeah. pubs. Did you make a serious error of judgment in being in Buenos Aires for Christmas? <laughs> They're closing the yeah. pubs. Yeah. Well, I was here four years ago. I was actually in the second city, Cordova. So I was caught out by it four years ago. So I kind of expected it this year, you know. Like, they'll close the bars very early on Christmas Eve, you know. I think it'll be, they're definitely going to be closed for Christmas Day anyway, you know. Right. But, um, like, so I, I kind of know it's coming, you know. But, uh, come here, my, my beer has gone up by 30% since last week. So, like, maybe it's a good thing, you what know. Are you, what are you paying it's for like, a pint now? I, well, God, it depends on uh, if I go out tonight. I, about two euro, I was paying for a, and then I went out the other night and it had gone up to 250, you know. I'm still um, playing the world's smallest violin for you, you know that, don't you? If you go downtown, <laughs> if you go down, if you go downtown at the moment, Pat, and you being a Corkman, you'll know this. If you wander into yeah. the Chateau or, or the Oak or any place like that downtown or the Enterprise or wherever, you, you're going to pay yeah. six quid and more for a pint. I know, I seen that. Like, but come here is good stuff if you drink Guinness. Like, I'd pay, I'd pay that for it. You know, I had a Guinness here. Uh, say, was it maybe two weeks ago? Oh my God, it was the worst Guinness I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and that that was in the so-called Irish bar. It was absolutely vile. It still isn't travelling well, is it? No, 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 no. Like. Uh, very few places like you, you get it good. I thought it was a friend of mine, he was in Chicago last week and he said he got fantastic Guinness, you know, yeah. but it was $12. Oh, oh what? $12, $12 for, plus for, that, for that plus percent tip. For that would want to be good, Pat. Would want to be good. In fact, they should probably bring back the ghost of Arthur Guinness to pour it for you himself. And that, at, they at that should, point. yeah. What, what do they do? Is Christmas a big religious thing in Argentina? Um, yeah, because I suppose like uh, the Latin culture is very kind of Catholic, you know. But it's not a it's not a massive. I don't see like there's not a it's not like back home actually, you know. But then again, uh, PJ, because like in the last week, I've just seen everything like like the prices of everything has nearly doubled, like bread and all that kind of stuff. So this week, I went out Monday night for a couple of pints, and the bars were empty. 
So I think people are just really just cutting back and on what they're doing, you know? Yeah. yeah so, so this Christmas is going to be tough for everyone, you what know? Do you, what do you do Christmas Day? How do you spend it? Um, well, I've been going to, like, a, a meet-up thing every Tuesday for, like, meeting people, expats for coffee. So I, I've got an, inv- an invite to um, uh, Christmas lunch, you know? Lovely. So, yeah, so that's what I'll do. So that's not too bad, you know? The pubs, and, will, uh, the pubs will be closed, really nice but people. will they have a bar there? <laughs> oh, well, I'll be, I'll be buying drink before uh, the shops <laughs> close anyway, you know, a couple Did of bottles said, of wine. Now, the wine here is beautiful. Do you meet any Cork people? Oh, Ar- sure, Argentinian wine is world world famous. The home, the home of Malbec. Yeah, yeah. Home of Malbec. Did you yeah, meet any yeah, Cork people? Yeah. I haven't actually. Do you know, I haven't met any Irish people this time. You know, it's the last time I came over, I did. But um, I don't know. I haven't met any Irish. I, I met people from other nationalities. Do you know what? I've been telling you. I went to Uruguay there because um, it's only around the corner, really. You know, mm. you get a ferry over there, and I was in an Irish bar. And there was a group of people playing well, some of the best Irish music I've ever heard in my life. And not one of them had ever been to Ireland. Get away. Or Uruguayans. Yeah. And I asked one guy, oh, he said, how do you know? Do you oh, and the people in the bar, like all Uruguayans, hopping around the place. Like, I asked one guy, he said, how, how come you can play Irish music? And he said his father was from Galicia in northern Spain, and he loved Irish music. Wow. And, he, like, he passed that on to the young fella, you know? That reminds me of a story somebody told me, actually, who was on at Christmas with me a few years ago, Pat. They were in Tokyo, and their local bar had a Kaylee band every Monday night. What? <laughs> yeah. None of them had ever been outside of Tokyo, had a word yeah. of English. But it happened that yeah, years yeah. back, some Irish guy had worked in the pub and he played a bit yeah. of Irish trad, and he joined a local music group. And before you know it, you've a little Kaylee band in a pub in Tokyo where no one speaks yeah, any. Yeah. I, I believe it. Like I found it very surreal. Like as uh, they took a break, and we were standing outside, so I got speaking to them. I thought some some of them would say, "Yeah, I lived in Dublin for a while," and whatever. <laughs> but none of them, no, none of them. I thought that I said they should go to Ireland, go to Flakyol or whatever. You know, to be brilliant there. It's like the it's like the the bar I walked into myself one time. I was in Bangalore in India, and there is a pub there called Dublin, and. The, I, I don't yeah. think I don't think they could even find Dublin on a map. Some of the people in there, but there was a Joe Dolan Whoa, poster on the wall. I said, Joe Dolan is a huge star in Bangalore. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, eh? have Jared. a wonderful have a wonderful Christmas. When are you going back to the Canaries? I'm actually uh, going back again uh, via Monte Montevideo in Uruguay. It's like only about a four hour. Uh, ferry from here because like I was looking at flights and they were two and a half thousand euro uh, going back from uh, Buenos Aires uh, two and a half thousand but I got one for 500 from Montevideo uh, direct to Madrid so I'll be going I'll be leaving here on and do you know who actually started that uh, ferry service there was a guy called you know Admiral William Brown he was the founder of the Argentine Navy he was from Mayo yeah. And he started that uh, service, the first of its kind in South America. Excellent. All right, listen, Pat, have a wonderful yeah. Christmas. Look after yourself out there and we will Great. talk. Say, and uh, happy Christmas to everyone I know in Cork and uh, maybe see, uh, maybe I'll get back there in spring or something like that, you know. Wait, wait for the weather to warm up a small bit.
Do you know? <laughs> All right. And come here. I'm doing a video every day from Buenos Aires, including the demonstration yesterday. And I went to Javier Milley's inaugural speech two week before Farmers Canary Islands on uh, TikTok. On TikTok. All right. Good man, Pat. Uh, stay safe out okay, there. Okay, PJ. Happy Cheers. Christmas. Happy Christmas to you, to you and all yours. the staff. And we will talk in 2024. Pat O'Neill, Vamos Canary Islands. TikTok, great guy, great character. Yes, I can't wait for him to actually get home to Cork so we can go and have a point. Oh eight one eight ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. All right, listen, it was so obvious. Like fresh cranberries, a little bit of red wine, a little bit of port, cinnamon stick, some honey, an orange, and a little bit of salt. Okay, get your pan red hot, guys. Straight in. What we're looking for these is to burst. We might throw a little bit more port or a little bit more red wine in, but it's Christmas, and these are Christmas flavors. Magella O'Leary, please tell me that you have at least ro- put a towel around yourself because then when they were, <laughs> you were in the yeah, shower, I'm you were out. in the shower. <laughs> I'm out of the shower now. <laughs> well, what 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 is my mate Paul making? Uh, it's cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce, of course he is. It's so easy, yeah. so easy. All right, you have a big. Have you a clatter of grandchildren coming here for Christmas? I have two. 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 That's enough. Two granddaughters. Yeah. Great. What age are they? They're um, 11 and 2. Oh, 2. Oh, great. Yeah. Will, will, will Santa, does Santa come to Nana's house? Like, Santa used to come to oh, my Oh, yeah, he do, yeah. Yeah, he comes to Nana's he house. Do. And he comes to the house as well. Oh, that's fantastic. He do, yeah, they love it. Brilliant. Have you got the, the spiced beef and the turkey? And I, yeah, I have. Well, you know what? You can stock up for the new year anyway. I can, yeah. I have a 300 <laughs> euro voucher for you oh, for brilliant. all these. All right. Okay, thank you. Magella, have a happy Christmas. Okay, thanks, don't forget to dry the, dry, dry the hair properly now. We wouldn't wrap it up. See you. Take care. Thanks very much. That's our latest. We have another winner tomorrow before we before we pack it in for the week and for the year. Uh, tomorrow morning with Lorraine and Ross, the final part of a Cork Christmas story, Miracle on McCurtain Street. And they'll hope to find Santa ahead of the big day. It's proving very hard. The new press officer at the North Pole is just a it's a, do- a dope, to be quite honest with you. I mean, next thing they should be is a government advisor, quite clearly. And there's three grounds, three rounds of the two grand minutes. And maybe you could be uh, their their latest winner, like, like Eleanor. Have I got that? I have here. You are currently sitting... Oh, my God. ...on nine out of ten. <sighs> Who was the first woman pilot to fly, fly solo... Across the Atlantic. Oh, the first. It's solo oh. is the key word in this. Oh, Jesus. Because Amelia Earhart did fly across the Atlantic. Yeah. As the first female pilot, but the first solo pilot oh, no. across the Atlantic was also Amelia Earhart. You oh just won 2,000 euros! And the madness recommences tomorrow morning at 6 with Lorraine and Ross. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Weekdays from 6 a.m. Corks 96 FM. Oh, that's it. Program edited by Ian Rohe, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Remind me, the last time, get your stuff in for who's working Christmas Day and we'll do it all tomorrow when we're back just after 9. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. With your local mace, amazing value, sure to make you smile this Christmas. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 